Hi, hello, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk to some real people about some real things, living real lives, doing real stuff. This is the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied by my good pal, party boy, Pete McCormick. Our special guest today is the one and only Rocco DeFinis. Party boy Pete, you ready to do this thing? I'm ready to rock and roll, Metalium. Love it, love it. So you can find all our episodes and everything on all podcast platforms at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can find us on YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast. And join us on the Twitter and the TikTok at Working P Pod. You like to be a guest on the show and go through the approval process with the PAAA. Then you can hit us up at workingperspectives at gmail.com. All right, let's get this shit started. Let's go. It's our objective to be effective. My voice in society's working perspectives. We're exploring your workday and how you get paid. Launching new episodes every Tuesday. Your day can transform while we inform with episodes available on all podcast platforms. Check out our vibe and how we get live. Then do us a solid like, share, and subscribe. Working perspectives. All right, potty boy Pete, we got a couple things to chat about, all right? So I got a guy on the show today, and let me tell you, all right. let me tell you, let me tell you about our good friend Rocco DeFinis. So Rocco here, right? I've known Rocco for a number of years. We kind of grew up in, we all grew up in Lansdale together. He was in like a different neighborhood, but he would still buddy around and like, I'd see him at the Boys and Girls Club and things like that. Then eventually later on in our teenage years, we started like we started to hang out more and we were on like the same kind of group of friends and we'd always party and hang out and do fun stuff. I don't know if you remember the story of when I told about the scavenger hunt. Um, Matt, but, I could not forget the story about the scavenger hunt if you wanted me to. You better well, hope the cops don't call me and ask me questions or there's a statute of limitations on it. Yeah. So our good friend Rocco DeFinis was there at the scavenger hunt. All right. And uh, well, let's just say uh, me and him wrestled for a doghouse. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So either way. Um, so I, I do want to say this and I've brought it up on the show before. Uh, and uh, and we had a good friend of ours uh, on the show. One of our first episodes was with Burn Podcast. He is someone I met at this restaurant called Vinny T's. Now, Vinny T's was a big part of my life and i would have to say pete it was a big part of your life too because uh you went there plenty of times if i remember correctly i may have uh you know gotten a girl's number or two while there we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that sure sure you know best shooters keep shooting so <laughs> but either way um i worked at this place for a long time and it really helped me get out of a really bad funk that i was in so what had happened was is that i had graduated high school you had abandoned me and left and gone to drexel uh ron had left and went to st joe's a whole, uh, 10 miles away from lansdale it's a long 10 miles when you're not allowed to drive all right pete you know <laughs> so either way you had abandoned me completely and you know forgot all about me after all the good times that we had and all the nights we spent in each other's arms but you just left me high and dry to go get your education 
So I was stuck in Lansdale after, you know, it was first year after high school and I didn't go to college and I didn't have a job. So I was just really depressed and really down in the dumps and like, just not, not, not in a good way. And like, uh, just not happy. You know what I mean? And I was struggling trying to find work. I had gone to bartending school, which, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Obviously I'm one of the best bartenders that's ever lived. Duh. But I don't think it's because I went to bartending school. I just think it's because I'm a genius. But, you know, I think I, I agree with that, uh, that assertion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm very modest, but I'm also a genius. It's just one of those. <laughs> things. So but either way, um, I was struggling to find work and I was getting into trouble, as you know, and all these things. And I was hanging out with our boy Rocco here. And Rocco's dad is a bartender, is, is a bartender, was a bartender at the time at Vinny T's and Rocco right. yeah Rocco did me such a solid by going to his dad and said dad you know can you please help my friend get a job he went to bartending school he's willing to do anything he's willing to commute to the place it was an hour and 17 minute train ride one way to get to Vinny T's from Lansdale yeah I had to go into the and, city and out of the city yeah and Rocco so, so Rocco got helped get you this job that helped me get laid. So for that, I want to thank Rocco personally. Yeah. I mean, we all should thank him because it helped, (laughs) you know, but, but also it helped me get out of the funk and kind of find a groove and kind of find a place like, cause Vinny T's was a cool, like for a young kid, I was 19 when I started working there, you know? So for a young kid, like you, you go there and you make new friends and you party and, and you have fun and, and you have like all these interesting, fun stories and like all these adventures. And none of that would have happened. Also, to be to be fair, I wasn't in Lansdale. Like it also took me to a very different world than I was used to. Like living in Lansdale, Lansdale is a very blue collar area. As you know, I went out to Vinny T's, which was on the main line in Ardmore, which is a very, very affluent, very wealthy area. So it flipped me on my head, really, when I first started going out there and seeing like how these people lived. And I couldn't believe it, you know? So like that big thing. And like, you're in like a, like, it was cool because like, I remember like one of the first nights I'm working there, Patty LaBelle comes in and then John, John Clark would come in or John LeClaire would come in and John Clark. And dude, I met, I met Bernard Hopkins there and Morgan Freeman and like all these cool you things. You were basically uh, Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman and, and Rocco's dad was Richard Gere and is like, Hey, I can show you a better life. Yeah, you are 100% right. And he hooked me up with a job there. I ended up being there for six years until the place closed. And then, uh, you know, I ended up getting a job uh, somewhere else. But it also, he helped me develop a trade. And what they say is the most portable trade on the planet, which is bartending. So, oh, yeah. You know, and I can't thank him enough. And it was him, and it was because of him that I got to do all that and experience all that. And it's because of him that you got to, you know, Got to tickle some pickle, if you know what I'm saying. So <laughs> um, I know he's doing great, and I'm so proud of him and everything he's accomplished and everything he's done. And I'm really excited to get into his story because this interview is going to be awesome. I think he broke the record for jobs on the show. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, the previous holder was uh, my little shithead brother, Alex, but Rocco blew him out of the water because this kid's had more jobs and you know what to do with. So, uh, but I know he's doing great and everything's going good and, uh, he's, you know, everything's going great and he's doing great with his music career and, uh, he just launched a new single and all that stuff. Um, but I just like to ask, have you seen the movie Bohemian Rhapsody? And if yes, what do you think of that piece of shit movie? 
God damn it. <laughs> well, God th- damn it. Well, well, thank you um, for having me, guys. Um, so, yes, I have watched the uh, the movie. I actually liked the movie. Oh, for um, Thank you, sake. Rocco. Oh, Finally, one on my side. And, oh, and, 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 and really, that's all that matters because um, – you know, I'm a gay person and you're not. So, um, I mean. but yeah, no, I'm just, <laughs> so, I count for two votes, Matt. That's two votes. <laughs> well, you know what? Let me tell you something. I, again, thank you so much for having me. Um, and Thanks I love coming. that. I love that question because a lot of that movie actually got a lot of slack from even like members of the LGBTQ uh, community uh-huh. because they felt like it water, you know, watered down uh, Freddie Mercury's sexuality. Yeah. Um, and I felt that it wasn't the point of the movie, right? It was to just solidify his place in rock music history and to kind of get the, the, the more, um, you know, the, the newer generations to be exposed yeah. to an artist yes. that was not only like prolific and, you know, just yeah. amazingly talented, but he was Unreal. a queer person. Yeah, yeah, he was a queer person and he you know, just embodied so much of, uh, you know, of excellence. So yeah, overall, um, were there things that could have been better? Yeah, but that goes for everything. But I like, I, I, I am a fan of the movie, just like you, I am a fan of uh, Rocket Man. The, the, I like, I like Rocket Man with uh, Terry That was really good. I thought that was very good. <laughs> You know, I feel like they're all follow up. So, like, I feel like the original is The Doors. Like, that's where you're like, okay, this is a great movie with great acting, showing you like a great iconic legend. And then I'm like, I've always been starving for another one of those movies. So, that's why I was excited when uh, Bohemian Rhapsody finally came out. Yeah. It's kind of like it falls in the niche of like, like The Doors, Ray, you know, Walk the Line. Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. 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 But I mean, there is something, you know, and we brought it up on the show before. One of uh, of our friends of the show, The Man, the Myth, the Murph Meyer. And if they had this scene in the movie, then it might be the best movie ever. But apparently, uh, Queen was famous for having a little person uh, walk around with a tray of, you know, booger sugar at the parties. So you, they'd be walking by, you take a little hit of the sheep, and you're good to go. Had they had that, had had had, had uh, Peter Dinklage signed on for that role, forget about it. Uh, get it. We're, I'm singing a different tune. I'll tell you that. Uh, you, so, you know, sometimes you have to leave something to the imagination, you know? Yes, exactly. 100%. So, yes. So I do want to ask this, though, and it's and I know we're getting hot and heavy starting off. So you're bringing up, like, and, you know, I don't want to get into it too heavy right away, but Freddie Mercury was, like, the coolest fucking dude going. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he had the messed up teeth. He wasn't the greatest looking guy, but he didn't give a shit. He went out there with like his wife beater and the armbands and he's fucking rocking out and he's doing his thing. You know what I mean? Like, and he was, was he openly gay when he was like at the later end of his career? Like it wasn't like a secret, right? Cause like Elton John kind of, he had a, he had a wife for a little bit. So he was like, I don't know if he was doing it for whatever, but like was Mercury just being like, no, I'm, I'm all guys all the time. So get used to it. Well, no, he was, um, I mean, I, for that time period and I'm by, by, I don't want to like claim that I know everything about Freddie Mercury. I just knew that he was self-identified for a while as bisexual. He did actually also have like a long-term girlfriend wife. Again, Mm -hmm. I don't know, remember all the details, um, concerning that, but so I don't want to misspeak on that, but I know that we got, you know, it's all about context. So look at the time, look at, 
you know, what was going on. Could he be a pop star and be fully out? Um, And, 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 you know, there's fluidity. So he might've really been bi, he might've been fully gay. We, I don't think we will, we will ever know truly what his, you know, his sexuality was um, the full spectrum of his sexuality. But um, I do think that it was a a process of evolution, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. eventually you get to a point where you just like most queer people, you just don't give a fuck. Uh, I don't yeah. know if I can say fuck, but um, you, <laughs> you, just, can, you, dude, just... you can say yeah. whatever the fuck you want on this fucking show. Tell you that, pal. Tell awesome. you that right fucking, fucking awesome. now. Yeah. So, um, but you know, like like any queer person, you don't. You get to a point where you're just like, I'm done with the bullshit, and yeah. you know, I'm you know, and I it's think not that's worth a lie. Yeah. It's not worth a lie, and you know, he was authentic, and mm. you know, and he got to a point, a level of success where it didn't matter. It was just like, I am who I am, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah. I I couldn't agree with that more. That's the one thing that, you know what, like we're talking about his sexual orientation, but he was, it does not matter. He was so talented and so incredible. I could give a shit if he was banging goats, that fucker could sing and I'll listen to anything he's got to sing. Now, Remy Malik, the guy who played him, not so much. I don't know. <laughs> You're not a big fan of him? I mean, you know, I, Dr. Robot or whatever the fuck his name. I mean, he can do whatever. I don't care. But so he, to- Here's a random question. I don't know if it, it's out of bounds or not, but but do you think David Bowie, you know, was around the same time contemporary, do you think he had to come out as straight to his fans? Because, you know, he did the whole androgynous thing for so long, and then the 90s, like, actually, I uh, – I like the snatch. I, yeah. I hate to tell my fans yeah. that, but uh, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. He's well, like, I'm dying at the taco stand every night, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that, you know, um, as crude as that question was, um, I do think that <laughs> um, I do think that there is like balance, right? So I do think that what we're learning as we mature and evolve as culture, we're learning yeah. that sex, like gender expression, right, is not the same as sexuality and so i think yeah. that yes. you have a lot of people that just broke that the, that androgynous you know yeah that mold and you know paved the way for a lot of different artists so you yeah. know um hey i i trust people when someone says hey i like to put on dresses however i like women i trust yeah. what they yeah. say that's you know that's not for me to but I do think that's the clear distinction there. I think we're learning and growing and understanding that even more uh, mm-hmm. as time goes by, you know, like, so I, those I kind agree. of artists were like, just, and that's cool because that allowed also people to that, you know, maybe don't identify as gay to be like, Oh, wait a second. Well, it doesn't make me this way. So I can play around and be free and be yes. a true artist. Yeah. And they're not creating right through this, like, like all this this box this like filter they're just creating authentically and that's what a true artist is in my that, opinion agreed um, yeah I, I, so yeah stephen king yeah. says that and he said he's like art should just be art there shouldn't be a prerequisite for for like any kind of you know sexual orientation or race or anything like that art good art should just be classified as good art it doesn't need to have like a race symbol or a female male symbol or whatever it is art is art itself so if it's good it's good it doesn't matter who creates it plus two you have to remember back then like dude like dude brando like there should be there should be it shouldn't like if you're gonna want to define sexual orientations there okay there's you know queer straight whatever but when you get to the level of a marlon brando and a richard Pryor, because those guys were banging each other and banging other people six ways from sunday 
You know? Well, that, that's also why I brought up uh, David Bowie, because allegedly he slept with Mick Jagger back in the day, around that same time. So, like, it, oh, wow. you know, yeah, so, like, those guys, they're not gay or straight or whatever. They're just, they're just doing the damn thing because they can you know like if you can sleep with anybody you want like that's like what do, what do you call that you know that's not gay or straight that's just be, being a legend you know i think it's I mean? <laughs> that's being a legend yeah legend or pansexual i guess i don't know there's a lot of different terms um but i don't know them all but yeah. um yeah so i just think that some people just like they drop the drop the facade and just say you know like you know there's you know as a gay person i've been attracted to women but I know that primarily in the spectrum, I'm closer to the gay side. I think if, 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 if hetero men, I can't speak for you guys, but I think if hetero men were able to actually just like not have all this pressure to be, you know, what the, this idea of what masculinity is and what a man is and what a man is supposed to do, I think we would see a lot of in-between action and things happening. Um, but of course... Yeah. You know, we're getting closer to we're getting closer to that to that evolution, but is, we're we're still on the path. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what yeah. happens. My, but I respect, my old I respect man. this. Yeah. Yeah. My yeah. my old man used to say that he was a bisexual because if he couldn't get sex, he buys it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> now that is a legend. That's a legend statement. If I oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he used to say two things that were like so like I was like Jesus. He used to say. He used to say he's a bisexual because he, if he can't get sex, he buys it. And then he used to say that we were so lazy that we thought Manuel Labor was the president of Mexico. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I know. Golly. That's where we were growing up, pal. Huh? You know? <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, I, honestly, dude, that's a great discussion that, that, you know, like, wow, I really like. And I and we're going to get into more of that. And honestly, Rocco, I love how in-depth you are and, like, your perspective. And this is exactly why we wanted you on the show. And we're so happy to have you here. But cool. right now, we got to drop right. into a, the next segment. It's okay. the new hot segment, Hitting the Streets. It's called Memory Lane. Where do these bizarre memories come from? So in English, if you say this is lame, when you're describing something, uh, what you are saying is that it's not cool, it's not awesome, uh, it's not interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah, now that's lame as in not cool, like, uh, you know, Remy Malik in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> but, you know, lame, L-A-M-E. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring up a topic from the 90s, we're going to discuss it, and then we're going to vote to see if it's totally radical, tubular, brah, or if it's lame city. So, okay. uh, as always, uh, being the guest on the show, Rocco, uh, do you have a memory lame topic for us to discuss? Oh Lord. Okay. Would this be different from like an, like a toy that I played with or a thing? Is this a different be, question? It's so whatever, was, any, anything in the nineties that you'd like, okay. like last, like on the last show, I think uh, we aired with the one we aired uh, this week or, or I don't want to date us, but like blockbuster was one of them. You know what I mean? And, and like all that, you know, and, and, uh, and mousetrap the game. And, and I remember Pete said one on another, well, I don't want to give it away, but yeah, Pete said Huggies, Huggies drinks on another show. 
you know? Okay. So, yeah. I, okay. I, I have two in my head and maybe we can decide which one is the lamest, I guess. But I was thinking of Stretch Armstrong. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. Let's start with Stretch. Let's start. Okay, let's... let's start with Stretch. Okay. okay. <laughs> so not going to lie. We got Stretch. First off, great commercial. Great commercial, right? Yes. The Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> Didn't he have a jingle or is it just a commercial? I'm trying to remember. I they- think there, w- there was a jingle. I just remember like having a bunch of them and causing havoc everywhere I went oh. with one with them as I, you know, as I traveled on the bus, hitting people yeah. with them, um, yeah. throwing numerous of, um, you know, dolls on top of the roof at my house and yeah. the neighbor's house and um, yeah. <laughs> but pretty much just abusing people with them. I remember like just throwing them at people's heads. Um, yeah. But um, so not sure about your experiences with them. No, they... well, so <laughs> well, two things. Did you keep yours in the freezer? I we didn't. Were to- no. We were told to keep ours in the freezer for some fucking reason. Two, we broke one, which we thought was impossible, but we did. And then the other thing is, is that uh, one time we were playing the game uh, Ding Dong Ditch. You know, Ding Dong Ditch, right? Yeah. You guys are aware. So knock, knock, uh, zoom, zoom for those yeah. in the city. Yeah, knock, <laughs> knock, zoom, zoom for those in the city. Ding Dong Ditch for those in uh, Lansdale, Pennsylvania, land of the free home of the brave. Um, so one time it was me, uh, good friends of the show, Alan Bach and Jason Bowers. And we were playing Ding Dong Ditch, but we were too scared to do it to any other house so we're playing ding dong ditch on my own house right so so, that's good yeah so my parents my parents weren't home right so it was my older sister natalie who uh is booked to be on the show uh and then my older brother asshole who uh well he's a he's a pirate and he's a tyrant and he's a criminal and I'll be seeing him on Twitch and Mario Kart. You can bet your fucking ass on that. So either way, so it was uh, Natalie, who is a psychotic lunatic, and then asshole. They were home. So we're playing Ding Dong Dick. So we get them the first time, right? So we had a front door and a back door, and both doors had a doorbell. So like we're do- usually the back door is where everyone is. So we bang on the back door, like ring the doorbell, run, and like we're hiding behind trees in like the neighbor's yard. See. Like my sister come to the door and she's like, what about God, God, these morons. Oh my God. I know it's them. They're morons. Right. So, and this is like, let's just say it's like a late fall. Like let's say it's a November day. Right. So we bang on it again and we go, but now they're like getting wise to it. So we went to the front door and we banged on that one. <laughs> we left, right. So it's three times we've gotten away with it. So now uh, my older sister, Natalie, and my older brother, asshole, have stationed themselves at the front door and the back door. But we got wise because there was three of us. So it was Alan or, or Jay went to the back door and me and Alan went to the front door. Right. So we both, we ding-donged it. We both banged on, like did the doorbells at the same time. Me and Alan go to run away. Tom, or my older brother, asshole, was at the back door and he caught Jay, right? So he catches Jay and he like tackles him. He starts wrestling him. He then takes Jay and, and my, my older sister and, and my older brother, asshole, take Jay. They tie him to a tree in our front yard with a stretch Armstrong. 
<laughs> right? Cool. And they, they put a jacket over his top. They took off his shoes and socks and they poured ice water on his feet <laughs> while he was tied to a tree with a stretch arm saw. That is classic. Like, oh, no. So we had to kind of like kind of wrestle him out and get him away. Eventually we did. And eventually I like, you know, I, I would be returning his shoes home later that night because I was like, we just got to go. Forget your shoes, pal. They're gone. You lost them. But yeah. So yeah, that's my experience with Stretch Armstrong. He's, uh, well, he's that was very, uh, that was very elaborate. I mean, you have a, first of all, you have a great memory. So oh, I just want to, yeah. yeah, kudos to you. Cause I don't remember <laughs> like yesterday. And yeah, then second, same. I just want to say that, um, yeah, mine is, my stories are not that great. Um, I do remember um, microwaving one um, oh. at one point and seeing. <laughs> and that seeing was a rite more... of passage as a young <laughs> yeah. boy is microwaving your toys and seeing what oh, happened. Sure. Did you guys do the Hot Wheels car in the microwave? I did, I did that, and that was I a beating not. I will never forget. Oh, <laughs> baby. <laughs> that was not a good one. But, yeah. But, dude, there is no microwave. Dude, did you, did you ever have one of those days? I remember me and my little brother, asshole, or no, my little, my older brother's asshole, my little brother's shithead. And we were one day, we were just, like, hanging out at the house, and we just started microwaving everything. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? And we were, like, trying to come up with, like, a food I remember we did like marshmallows and pretzels and stuff it was like the weirdest <laughs> stuff but either way so okay so uh we've deliberated enough about our good old pal stretch armstrong and uh, so let's do a little voting uh rocco because you uh you put it up what do you what are your thoughts on old stretchy armstrong i think it's a win so i'm gonna say i, I do i say not lame yeah uh, rad rad okay yeah it's rad oh. all right peter hosen your thoughts on old stretchy armstrong Look, when He-Man ends up having a baby with a slinky, it's always a win. So it's rad in my book. <laughs> that was good. Well, I hate this shit all over the party, but uh, I'm going to have to talk for – I'm probably going to be speaking for Jay Bowers when I say Stretch Armstrong. Uh, well, it almost gave him hypothermia. So we'll just <laughs> – we'll give it a lame. So two rads and a lame because it could be used to tie – uh, you know, a 10 year old kid to a tree. So, all right. So, okay. So, all right. Do you want to do, okay. That was a good one. So Pete, do you got, or actually uh, Rocco, you said you had a second one. Well, the second one is another doll. It's my buddy doll. My and uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know if, if that, I remember. You don't remember my buddy. No, uh, you, uh, that, that's the Chucky doll, Matthew. Exactly. Exactly. So my oh. fondest, <laughs> yeah. so my fondest memories were waking up as a child and beating the shit out of it. You know, um, oh my at like goodness. at three a.m. because I kept on thinking that this doll was gonna turn into Chucky. And I mean, try obviously to kill. it did. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Yikes. Damn. You throw it in the Dude. closet. Next thing you know, you're catching the closet. And you see these two beady eyes. You're like, oh no, it's finally happening. <laughs> so, I would, so I'd take the doll and I would just like throw it down the stairs and then like jump on it and then like punch it in its head and throw it down in the basement and you know because I thought you know it's totally going to come to you know come to life and yeah oh this, yeah you know kill everybody. So I'm um, surprised you didn't get in the microwave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> As a six foot three, three hundred pound man, I still run up the basement stairs when I turn out the light. I'm like, I'm not messing yeah, around. I don't know if Chucky's right. down here or not. God damn right, pal. You're damn right you do. And you're not the only one, buddy. You kidding me? You kidding me? Is there anything scarier than when like you're walking up the stairs and you hear a noise and you're like, what the what? Yeah, what, the uh, what is going on? 
on. <sighs> At least like no. you can see a bear. Like that doll, you're like, you have no idea where he is. Yeah, and <laughs> ghosts too. You know, geez, all those ghosts out there. You gotta watch out for them. I definitely, I definitely feel uh so yeah, yeah. So yeah, Chucky dolls, they're fucking whacked out. Oh man. Yeah. Uh I can only imagine like like so <laughs> Like if I had if if I if there was a doll like as a parent if there was a doll that I would give to my kid that would keep it awake I would fucking burn that doll immediately right because if anything's like keeping my kid too scared to sleep or preventing my kid from sleeping that doll is gonna lose its head it's gonna be burned and then it's never gonna be seen again you know like no freaking way or yeah. or, or what I'm gonna do is. Anytime, like, hey, kids, if you play uh, knock, knock, zoom, zoom on this house, Chucky will get you. He is coming for you. He loves this door. And I'll just hide knock, knock, zoom, 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 all around the house, you know, just, just to uh, let them know. Yeah, not a bad, hey, not a bad idea. Instead of Elf on the Shelf, they should have, you know, Chucky on the, Chucky on the yeah. back porch. That'll keep you freaking, keep your oh, shit yeah. tight for sure. Okay, so <laughs> enough deliberation. Uh, uh, Rocco, you put this one up again. What are your thoughts on the Buddy doll? Lame. All righty, yeah. Uh, Peter Hosen the third. your thoughts? You know, I was trending lame, but I just realized that, you know, this doll inspired Chucky. And there is a one of the sequels to Chucky is called The Bride of Chucky, where Chucky impregnates another doll that's voiced by Jennifer Tilly, who I had a crush on. So basically, Dude, I'm going rad. Same. I had a total <laughs> crush go a long on way Jennifer to get Tilly. There. Dude, Jennifer, <laughs> yo, Jennifer Tilly in Liar Liar, fucking forget yep. about it. My own. My God. How about it, man? When he's like 105 pounds. Yeah. In yeah. your bra. Your bra. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to lame the fuck out of Chucky because I am I saw one picture and I'm not going to be able to sleep for a week. So, yeah, <laughs> we're done there. Okay. So, uh, so that was another rousing segment of memory lane. All righty. So uh, let's get this shit going because, like I said, uh, our boy Rocco here broke the record for jobs on this show uh beating the previous champion uh alex little shit lavelle so all right let's get started i brought so, up my second screen to go over the shop history matt that way i i'm not distracted smart smart so good deal so all right so our boy rocco here was born and raised in Lansdale, pa land of the free home of the brave he did public school k through 12 then he did some enrichment courses at monco and some koresh dance company stuff but he really was like he was fearless and really knew his own talent and kind of took it upon himself and, and kind of was able to learn on his own. He knew own what he wanted to do. Yeah. And he did, and he was fearless and he was like, you know, trial, you know, he was baptism under fire. That's his whole life. So that's how you learn. That is how you learn. That is the best fucking way to learn as far as I'm concerned. So uh, he did gymnastics as a kid, which I will say, as a, as having a daughter, a young daughter, I like, am really big on like the thought of her doing gymnastics. I think that will be just absolutely fantastic. You know what I mean? So I'm really, really big on like, because uh, to be fair, gymnastics is a fantastic sport, especially, I mean, for men, men and women, boys and girls, oh, yeah. where it's, it teaches like you have to be fearless to do that. You have to be dedicated. You have to be committed. You have to be in incredible shape. You know, but like just the fear of like, you know, I, I was always amazed. And uh, and Rocco, you'd be impressed by this. 
So you see Pete over the video, but what you don't know is that he is a spelt 6'3", 300 pounds, but he can still do a one-handed cartwheel that is flawless. Let me tell you, flawless. So, Snack try. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He actually, I guess I told this story too, but he actually did uh, three cartwheels into a bar one time while, uh, <laughs> while intoxicated. And That's awesome. Big ups to him. So uh, you also, uh, after, as well as gymnastics, you played some baseball. You played travel soccer for select soccer, which I'm very jealous of because my older sister, Psycho, and my older brother, Asshole, both played <laughs> travel soccer. And I was so jealous that I never got – I was never good enough to play travel soccer, and I always wanted to because I was going to cool tournaments and all these things. Uh and then, so here's one thing I do want to talk about while we're doing it. You did hip hop dance and you did a show performance at Disney World. So please, for oh, the wow. fans. Yeah, no, Pete, get a load of this. Uh, Rocco, can you uh, regale us with the story of your performance <laughs> at Disney World? Let, what do we got, pal? Well, you know, it was really, it was more of like a self-imposed, um, you know, cry for uh, attention than a performance but i kind of you know like i was at uh you know disney world with my family it was when i was little i was like eight mm -hmm. nine something like that yeah. and um you know we were waiting in line forever for to see one of those like spectacle shows yeah. you know and yeah. uh everybody was waiting and impatient and you know, I got up there on the stage and I started doing cartwheels and splits and, you oh. know, all, all that stuff. And everyone's like, everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, they're like, is, is, there a, is there a show right now? <laughs> they're like, what is this kid doing? And, you know, and that's always what my childhood was. And I always say to people, you know, I think that people are like born to do things. Yeah. Um, I don't know what made me or would prompt me to do that other than i can say that i was just like i love being in front of people so like yeah. yeah i mean that was what i did i jumped on stage i had people clapping for me i always tell oh that story um, and this was at disney world and then people were like yeah all the, all the parents were like what is he part of the fucking show like what's going on here could you imagine could you imagine though like say right now if this is nowadays someone has a cell phone of that you're a fucking viral superstar you know what I mean? Like that video goes viral right away. You know, there are a lot of people that missed out on going viral because they were outgoing before the internet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I always tell people that, you know, I look like a little boy, Shirley Temple. I really wish my fucking parents <laughs> would have like had me selling Welsh's grapefruit juice or something, you know, oh, yeah. or Welsh's grape juice, excuse me, uh, because I wouldn't be fucking rich right now. Cause literally like I, I was that kid, you know, I was, I danced, I did gymnastics. I had curly hair. I, I, you know, I looked like a, like Plus a little gay, gay version of, um, uh, what's uh, the guy from wonder years. Oh, people don't people can't see this, but when they check out your music videos and your uh, rock, uh, www.rocco.com for all your info and your art, well, people will see you're a good looking motherfucker, man. You know what I'm saying? Like you're oh. fucking Mr. Steel, yo girl in the flesh. You know what I mean? Like you fucking you are a good looking dude and you always been a good looking dude. You know what I mean? So. I can see you as a kid. I bet like I would, I, you know what? I bet your parents were one of those parents that were told all the time, like, Oh, you got to get him in commercials and you got to get him on TV. And you know what I mean? I guarantee that that happened. 
Tell you whose parents that didn't happen for. My fucking parents. Tell you <laughs> right now. They're like, oh, you need man, to put that kid you. in a hole. Man. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Nuh-uh. That's yeah. not true. Dude. They loved yeah. you. Yeah. yeah well, but yeah. no, but um, but you know. Great hole. It was a big, it was a big hole. It was spacious. Yeah, yeah. It had a shovel and everything. <laughs> no, but yeah, you know, it's it's you know, it's amazing. But I, it, you know, I was always supported by my um you know, by my family with my different endeavors mm. and, you know, um, you know, and I think as an adult, I was able to say, okay, well, it's, you know, it's my time to, you know, take, take the lead and, you know, make the, you know, make the possibilities happen, make the, you know, yes. pave my way. So I did yeah. that. And, um, but yeah, so that was probably, probably is like the most poignant time as a child that I knew I can look back and say, okay, you know, aside from that, you know, that's what I'm, you know, what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, I would also be you know, at weddings, I would be dancing in the middle of the circle all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just always, I was just always in that, that realm. So it kind of mm-hmm. leads into what, where, you know, as an adult, what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think not to get off too off track, but I do think no, that that that's what people should, I think that's how education should go. There's the Montessori method where they, you know, kids really can develop what their interests are and their education can be kind of formatted to fit what their interests and talents are, you know? And I think yeah. that's an important thing that, um, you know, I, you know, education, I think the direction of education should go to- towards that more. But yeah. anyways, I have to go on a tangent. No, I, no, I, <laughs> honestly, I think now one of the, one of the best things I think about society now is, that for those people because when we had my little brother on the show he's he's also gay and he he had talked about like living in you know Lansdale Pennsylvania even though it's the land of the free and the home of the brave it is blue collar and it does have that small town stigma and he had talked about a feeling like a chameleon act and he had the thought of like oh if I you know in the back of his mind it was like oh if I show these people who I really am they won't like me anymore kind of thing you know and I think that nowadays because of like people being more accepting and people being more aware that I think that, you know, it it is possible for someone to not be afraid to express themselves on and, you know, like trying to find their avenues early on instead of waiting till later to do it because they were scared that they had to behave a certain way. Now that I do say that that is a good thing for those type of people, but I also do say that there are some people that are brainwashed into thinking that this is what they really are when they're not too, you know what I mean? So it's a give and take, but I really do think, you know, people, some people are more comfortable of doing that, but imagine like, I, I don't know, let, I, let, let's not get off on that tangent. Cause it could go a long <laughs> but uh, so either way, so we'll just say that the movie Bohemian Rhapsody oh, is for... inspiring a lot of kids to <laughs> embrace what they truly are. Yeah, exactly. For that we're thankful. It's the gay agenda. That's what. Wow. That's what it is. That's just- <laughs> wow! Real, real dynamite drop in there, party boy. Dynamite drop in. So uh, okay. So let's keep it moving. Um, so you were. So this that is still fascinating to me because, like, you know, I was the same way, and I think, but I don't know if Pete was as much, but I was off the walls as a kid, like just energy all the time, and can't sit still in school, and you know, like kind of just wanted to do my own thing. And I think, and I feel like you, like I, I would want to do my own thing and all that stuff, but I would never have the balls to be waiting in a line with 300 other people at Disney world and jump up on a stage and put on a fucking show. 
I'll tell you that. That means like, dude, that's you got some French annuals on you there, pal, because that is that takes a lot to and also like, but that's also something inside of you. Like you want that's like part of your expression of yourself, right? And you've always kind of had that because you've always danced. I mean, I I've ever since I've known you, you were dancing. You know what I mean? So like always being able to have that expression. And like, would you say even as a young kid, you saw dance as like a a form of expression and and maybe like a therapy in a way where it's like you're getting your feelings out through your emotions and everything like that? Yeah, 100%. Um, It definitely was a way to express myself. Um, I think also deal with, you know, there were some traumatic instances in my childhood. Um, I had a great childhood. I was very loved by my family, but there's also trauma like anybody and so i think that was a way for me to kind of escape um also i was always high energy and and couldn't sit sit still and so that was just a way to release it and it still is today like i'm a high energy person even during this interview i have i i can't sit i have to walk and talk because otherwise i can't i actually think my best when i'm moving and it's it's, are you um, a stress ball guy rocker you got one of those uh squeezy balls at your desk or (laughs) that that, that doesn't even do it for you You go through too quick (laughs) (laughs) well well you know it's just it's just movement you know like i love i love I don't like things that are stagnant and that, that goes into a deep conversation, but I like, you know, my favorite quote is from uh, Lauren Hill. That's like anything that's not growing is dead. Um, and wow. so I kind of believe like movement and motion is like life, like flowing water. So it's a, that's a spiritual end to it, but you know, there, yeah. I just have always liked kind of expressing myself through that. So yes to that question. I, yeah. I, um, yeah. So, no, that's great. Honestly. And that's healthy too. You know what I mean? Like to be fair, like, you know, we've all seen footloose, right? Everyone's want to do a bacon every once and again, and just, you know, flick the cigarette and let it all go next to a VW bug in the middle of an abandoned train yard. Like we've all had that thought and those feelings, but I, I'm not going to lie. I would love to be able to like, cause you have such an ability and you've always had it where you can put on a pair of headphones or press play on a boom box or whatever it is. And you can fucking just go and you can dance and not everyone can do that. But that is like a form of therapy. I tell like a lot of the kids at the boxing gym and stuff too, like dancing is not to be sneezed at a lot of like the boxing techniques and everything we use footwork is a huge part of it. Huh. And I'm in like in dance footwork, I'm assuming is everything. Right. Hey, Matt, so, do you know what, what famous Philadelphia Eagle uh, was a, did ballet in the off season to, to stay uh, equipped and ready to go. I know T-O that. Or whatever his name is. Uh, but before T.O. may have done it, but the original, I believe, was Randall Cunningham. I was okay. I was going to say Randall, but I know that Jerry Rice did ballroom dancing for sure. He Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they're around the same time. I, that Maybe it was like yeah. a whole thing in the NFL. That was like the uh, – they didn't tell you about. But, yeah, they, they did it for the footwork. It was, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, also later on in life, uh, Jerry Rice would win Dancing with the Stars as well. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Look, yeah. look at that. Yeah. yeah. So he knew he knew way ahead of time. So nice. I'm and honestly, I think dancing is I think dancing is great, you know, and uh, yeah, this is great. So, OK, so let's keep it moving then. So cool. let's start with some jobs. So at uh, around <laughs> uh, 15 to 16, that was one of your first jobs when you were uh, busing, you're a busboy at Perkins, right? Yes, correct. Yep. So busboy Perkins, 
first job in your family is, you know, I know your old man and he's a lifetime in the service industry. He's a legend. He was, I think there, there was a magazine that used to come out and his and, and Rocco's old man was voted. I think he was like the number two bartender in the country at one point. You know what I mean? Oh, so wow. like, yeah. Big, big deal. He's a total pro. Yeah. I learned so much from him and he was like the, just the coolest guy to me. And it's is that where you learn the flair, the, uh, the flair twirling. He actually was the one that told me Flair is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> he killed like, your dream. Well, he, he was, finally yeah. got up on that stage at Disney World and some old guy was like, get off the stage, loser. Is that percent what it was? Well, because it was like I was seeing like cocktail, like to be fair, also at the I started bartending when I was 19. And like one of the things I was so excited about bartending, I was like, because now I'm going to get all the chicks. And that wasn't the case at first because it's like no, no one wants bartending flair or anything. They want their drinks made quick and efficiently. And that's kind of what he drilled. He was like, that's happy horse shit for Vegas, man. You're in a real bar in a real city. Don't do that shit. Make it quick, make it efficient and make it look good and be able to talk and communicate and like hold a conversation and things like that. And like be professional. He was so big. Your dad was so big on appearance, 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 appearance was his whole thing. He was like, his shirts were always ironed and like done up at the cleaners, his vest and tie, everything was immaculate. Right. And he was like, you, you have to look the part, you know? So that like a lot of that, like kind of rubbed off on me, you know what I mean? But when you're working, your family's in the service industry and everything like that, you get your first job as a bus, bus boy where let's just say like in the service industry, that is like the equivalent of an entry level position, but you can be 13, 14, 15 and doing it. You know what I mean? So you're 15, 16, working as a busboy at Perkins. What was your thoughts and how did you like that? Oh, it was a shit show. Um, I wasn't a big, <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of it. Um, but you know, it was something to do and to learn, yeah. you know, I always looked up to my dad and, you know, yeah. you know, um, with, with his work ethic, um, and his professionalism. Um, but yeah, I just, it was my first, you know, uh, kind of, stepping stone because I know I wanted to be a server, yeah. uh, but I didn't have the, honestly, I didn't have the courage uh, to, to step into that right away. So I, huh. you know, I, I did the, I did the, uh, the busing just to kind of get used to the feel of a restaurant and, yeah. um, you know, and found out that, you know, I wanted to make more money. So, you know, it was a yeah. good learning experience, but it was, uh, you know, but it's also, you are the, you are the bottom of the, totem pole Dude, and, it uh... is a thankless <laughs> job man that is that is a grunt work position man that is no like that people don't realize like any job in a in the service industry is a tough job you're on your feet you're hustling there's people like fucking john at you the whole time like it is tough but like you know honestly one of my first jobs i was a busboy and a dishwasher and all that it's a great job for a kid you know what i mean like to have that type of job, I think it's a great job and a great like learning, like a learning lesson too. And you make to a have that amount job. of cash in it too at the age, right? Yeah. Like I always yeah. remember everybody I knew that bus, like when, like I, I was working at my dad's deli for five dollars an hour, you know, like illegally. <laughs> but everybody yeah. I knew that was like busing in like middle school to high school, they were like, oh no, they, like they were getting like cash. I'm like, oh, you lucky sons of bitches. Oh, for <laughs> sure, cash was the way to go. Cash, and I honestly, that's one of the things at first, like when I transitioned out of like serving into like an office atmosphere. That's one thing I had to get used to was not having the cash and having you know everything on a paycheck, but. You know, you get used to it, but so yeah. I do miss having cash. Loved having cash. So 
Well, either way, so you're 15, 16, busboy at Perkins. And also, like, to be fair, when you're a young kid in a restaurant and, like, when you see, like, let's say, like, a restaurant near a college. Like, okay, let's use Vinny T's, for instance. Vinny T's, a lot of kids from Nova, St. Joe's, Temple, like, a lot of college kids are working there at at Vinny T's, you know? So it's a bunch of young, horny kids that are making some money, Mm -hmm. that like to party and have fun. And, like, that can be an introduction to a young kid as well. That just, you know, working and like kind of having fun and things like that. So, but was that like when you were at Perkins, did you have any kind of that or are you just like going in, working and leaving? Or did you like meet people and make make friendships and things like that? Well, I'll be honest with you. It was a good way to kind of toughen up. I remember like the kitchen staff, um, you know, like the freaking kitchen staff there and they know who they are um, and can go fuck themselves. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this, was like, this was like 20, this was like 20 years ago, but you know, but I, you know, I just, you know, it was a good experience. Uh, I remember a friend, a mutual friend was like, Hey, you should apply. I remember doing it. I remember not really liking like, you know, as I hate to bring it back to queerness, but like when you, when I was still like, trying to find myself and people would kind of still try to out me and I wasn't really comfortable yet of being my identity. Like yeah. there, there are those experiences, unfortunately, that are different for, for like, like my, you know, my, my colleagues that are straight, you know, that, you know, I, I remember just being kind of harassed, you know, somewhat, but it toughened me up. Cause I realized yeah. like, Oh, okay. Like, this is how it is, and this is what the real world is, and you're going to have to deal with a little bit of, uh, you know, you got to you know, deal with well, crazy shit, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it toughened me up. And so I, for you're that, a smart I, kid, though. You were you cracked back, though, I'm sure. Like, you weren't just standing oh, there. Take, you were fucking right well, back at him, right? You're, well, you're a smart, you're quick, you know? <laughs> well, this is the thing. What, what everyone should know, and, you know, all public should know, is that gay, gay folk, we're, we're used to, like, yeah like being in defensive mode so we yeah. have our our rolodex of hate like yeah. prepared yeah before before <laughs> before, <laughs> before you even have a chance i've already thought of 10 things of how to like 10 ways to destroy you so, oh. so it's, it's like like yeah so so girls have wretching resting bitch face and gay guys are just like they have the sarcasm loaded up and they're ready to just tear down oh. everything you're about they have a bank a bank of just like like they'll look at you like i always felt like you know, like at we'll say, we'll say my little brother shithead, right? He always knew he could look at a person and right away know their insecurities, and he would rip <laughs> them to shreds. And I've seen him do it, and he is ruthless. And yes, he doesn't he care, like like he doesn't care about punches being thrown or anything like that. He leaves the person more damaged than any punch could ever do. So and the, but that kind of thing comes from like working in a restaurant, right? Especially at a young age. Cause like one of the things too, it's almost like, it's almost like uh it's almost like an acceptance thing as well. Like if you're there, like you're hazing. fucking, it, exactly. But like you're cracking on each other and like you're saying shit and all that stuff. And like, if they didn't like you, I feel like they wouldn't fu- like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like they were, you know, I don't know, at least in my experiences, like you can kind of buddy around and stuff like that. But like, I remember like, you know, like we're telling jokes and we're cracking on each other and things like that. And just like having fun. You know what I mean? And I feel like that sometimes that's part of it too. But there are cooks, especially, are fucking assholes. And the- well, well, there's also uh, there's also let's 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 be clear. So first of all, sometimes it's you know uh, not to cut you off, but to cut you off. Um, no, go, go, there go. is <laughs> no, but there there is 
there is that line, right? So there is, yes. uh, you know, p- there are people that are definitely kidding around. And it's just a mm-hmm. hazing. And there's also people that are like, like closeted that, yeah. you know, are hate themselves. Yeah. So yes. that, they see that, you that, and they're <laughs> like, no, this people need to know about this guy and I'm going to be yeah. the one to let them know. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's it tries refl- to make them feel better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a reflection. So, so I guess just not to like harp on that part, part, but I will say you're exactly right. What it did is it parted, you know, helps me kind of like navigate, sharpen my, my tools of, yeah. you know, the shade back and, mm-hmm. you know, coming up with quick, quick, you know, being quick with it when mm-hmm. I needed to be. And later on, as we address like other opportunities I, I I've had, people have asked me like, like, how do you come back with a comment so fast? And it's like, it's, it's, it, it's taken a lot of time and preparation and yeah. skill to, yeah. to get me to that level. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so, so that was the, that was the takeaway. So sometimes it's like a really great, you know, uh, kumbaya. Uh, I learned a lot about, um, about, uh, being professional. And sometimes yeah. the life lesson is that you learn to freaking toughen up and, yeah. and know, know how to handle yourself. So yeah, yeah. there's no yeah. bitching, there's no bitching and crying. There's no running away from it. There's there's just accepting it and like fighting back. And that is a great lesson to learn. And like work ethic too, is not to be undermined. Work ethic yes. is so important at that age, especially you were, you had an obligation. You had to be on time for work. You had to do your job to the best of your ability while you're there. You relied upon to do your job, like all that stuff at a young age. I can't tell you how like important that was and influential, especially like I know on me it was, and I'm, I know both of you guys, we all worked at young ages. So I know like that was very, very much like, very important. So yes. Cool. Yes. So, okay. So speaking of quick witted, uh, so my little brother shithead, right? So <laughs> I, 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 one of the things that me and him would fight like all the time. And one of the things that would get me so fucking mad is that he is really smart and Nick, he is very quick witted. So he would give a comment back and there was like no answer. And I'd be like, Oh, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? So I remember one time, I remember this was post 9-11 and I remember it was like we were in the kitchen at my mom's old house and it was me, asshole, shithead and my mom. Right. And I was saying something. I was like, you know, shithead, me and me and asshole here are America and you're fucking Afghanistan. Right. And then shithead is like (laughs) shithead comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, Matt. If Tom's America, then you're fucking Canada. <laughs> like, little motherfucker. Even my mom laughed. I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. That, that's, my, my little brother, he was pretty quick with it too. I remember one time we were going back and forth and he just looked at me and said, let me put this in words you can understand, Pete. Oink, 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 oink. And I was like, son oh, of a bitch. I got no comeback for that. lost it. <laughs> that was a fucking Pete and he paid for That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I was yeah. like, how do you? How do you respond to that that was way oh, too quick no so good he has that yeah. that one he had in his back pocket for a while yeah, yeah you gotta you gotta keep them stored away you know for a rainy day so yeah. and then do you have like do you have like the, like the cop killer bullets you're like all right this one i'm, I'm saving just for when it gets personal like this one's yes. a good one but i know it goes a little too deep oh yeah yeah, well, you know that's that's how you win. It's all about winning. At the end of the day, <laughs> the end you of need the day, that tr- you need that card in your back pocket just in case. Yeah, that's fine. The pocket yeah, so you, might, you might you might win the battle, but I'm going to win the war. That's how I look at it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, it's a it's a, it's all interesting. It's funny how things you know evolve and grow, and then you learn through these experiences, and um, yeah, and it helps you helps you along the way. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, good stuff. And then uh looks like from Perkins, 
you went on to be a pool man lifeguard for the is that the YMCA or is it somewhere else? Um, so there was like this pool man incorporated. They were a company. So I did that for, you know, late teens, did that for some summers. And that was a lot of fun. That was a great, great time. You know, you just basically yeah. pretend like you're, you know, lifeguarding and you get to get a tan. Yeah. Uh, did you ever I, actually I, have to save anybody or were you just like chilling out in the sun all day and everyone was trying to take a dip? No, and thank God, because I would have been in the news for not being able to lift a like an asshole out of the water. <laughs> and actually, and, and and to be clear, I remember doing my like like lifeguard training and I couldn't get the freaking dummy out of the uh. water. And I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, how did I pass? Like, I'm like, how did I, <laughs> how did I like get, you know, my certification, yeah. but long. Yeah. I did that for a few summers. That was a lot of fun. And like I said, yeah. it was like perfect job for like high school about to be uh. out of high school. Um, I, lounging I was, all day and doing tan, the thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, check. It was awesome. I, I remember shithead Alex when he was on. He had the same job, and he said one of his favorite things he would do water aerobics in the morning with like the eighty-year-old lady. Yeah, Did you have to do anything <laughs> like that or what? Um, no, it was this was like at condominiums, so I would go to different condominiums in the area, like their pool. So literally, yeah. you'd have like one or two people during the day that would like come to swim, and then most of the other time was just for you to do nothing and i had to test the water uh the ph a couple times during the day but yeah. um it was a pretty chill decent job and i was actually making more money than like you know perkins or any of the other jobs because it was yeah. Really pretty, yeah pretty decent hourly at the time so yeah and you were making um, money doing nothing <laughs> you know like you know you're like well not doing nothing but like you were yeah like relaxing <laughs> and just hanging out right yeah yeah basically so i think it's a that's a pretty cool i would actually do that job during the summer as a part-time job as an adult i mean i would still do yeah. that because i think it's a it was pretty chill so and you kind of um, like you know you were you were kind of like you didn't have like a manager lording over you, you were kind of just your own boss there right exactly yeah so you yeah. would just have like to check in with like the corporate you know center or whatever and you know uh, do a little log of how many people came in but like i said like usually there only a few people would come in during the day and you could um just eat lunch and relax for yeah. you know, the whole time and get a tan so you can't beat nice. that yeah so, yeah so all right nice so cool lifeguarding very cool and you know kind of just like a good job for a teenage kid to have but then after that you moved on and you were a ymca counselor at a at a camp uh, and uh, after school, like what, what was going on there? So, yeah, I went to um, like the Lansdale YMCA. I did mm -hmm. uh, the summer, a few of the uh, summer camps uh, for a few, few years during the uh -huh. school year. I was uh, after school before and after school counselor. Okay. Uh, and that was chill. Um, I pretty much just did it for the free membership, the gym yeah. membership, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, All right. yeah that's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um, no, but it was pretty decent. You know, uh, people were really chill. And um, as you know, my brother brother was big with the Boys and Girls Club. So I didn't yeah. want to be a po poser. And oh, go my gosh. Do, <laughs> so, do exactly what he did. So, you know, I went to YNCA and did that yeah. for a little bit. And You uh, went to the was... you went to the rich kid place instead of at the Boys and Girls Club. <laughs> for sure. I, I, I'll tell you this, too. I used to so for I used to be a counselor at wrestling camps in the summer when I was like, I guess, like sophomore, junior, senior year of high school. And it is kind of fun to do the uh, you know, like you're playing with little kids and you're doing all that fun stuff and 
like playing games and everything like that. Like that isn't bad. You know what I mean? And like, you get to do like, to be fair, little kids are annoying as hell, you know, <laughs> but, but like it can be fun to do like to play the games and you're playing dodgeball and, and all that kind of stuff. Like be, keeping that kind of energy and doing that is fun. It's when you have to deal with like a li- whiny little brat that gets like annoying, you know what I mean? But <laughs> nice. So, okay, cool. So you got your counselor thing there. You're doing the counselor gimmick at the YMCA. Then after that, we jump from there and we go to the uh you're so you worked at so now you leave the counselor you you know like you leave the ymca you're not a counselor there or doing the after school of the camp or anything and you worked at h&m now was this your first kind of job in retail so yeah this was like the first time i really got into retail and um so we're looking at like i guess it was around 18 19 ish around that time and um it was cool you know it was a lot of i liked it because I, you know, my desire was eventually to get into the city and to, you know, um, Oh, really? So and, you and were, so you were like, you were thinking like start at the H and M and this was in at the lands Lansdale PA land of the free home of the brave, like the H and M in the mall. Is that where you were at? And then you were thinking, I'm going to move to the city and move to the H and M there. Is that kind of what the plan was? Yeah. The plan was like, you know, let's see, there's, it seemed like there were pretty cool people working there, you know, some progressive people. And, and actually it was more like 1920. Uh, okay. that, that was my age, but anyway, so yeah, yeah. I just remember being around a lot of, a lot of folk and um, it was kind of cool because there was, you know, people that I, like kind of like reminded me of myself. There were some clear yeah. identified people like yeah. artists and stuff. I was like, oh, okay. And yeah. so it was a it was a nice job um, until I was fired. But you know, oh. than- <laughs> are you allowed? Are you allowed? Yeah, to we, we gotta we gotta go. We, we gotta we have to do a deep dive into this. I think. Yeah. What, okay. Are, yeah. Are you allowed well, to say while you while you were fired? Yeah, I don't care because I've been fired for more jobs than I can count. But so <laughs> I don't. <laughs> His old HFM manager was like, "Hey, it was thirty years ago, and you're still talking about it on these podcasts." <laughs> and 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 usually honestly it's because of my mouth because i don't know when to like shut up and so um, that's but, a, hey you gotta stand up for yourself though too so if you feel like you're being screwed that's a good thing to be able to stand up for yourself you know what i mean yeah and that you know it works sometimes sometimes well it always works because if you stand in your truth it's you stand on you know you know what is right but um i remember there was always like there was a few people there that were queer identified there was one guy there uh, he was a rocker, right? And he he kind of we weren't sure, like nobody on the staff knew like what he was, but he kind of secretly would tell a few of us, "Oh yeah, I I'm bi identified, right?" So we're like, "Okay, cool, cool." So all of us were like twenty somethings, early twenty somethings, like nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two. We would go out, we would drink, whatever. There was one time, um, well, the, well, well, first of all, this guy, which I won't say his name. Uh-huh. Just in case there's a legality. Um, <laughs> this, so, so this guy normally statute of limitations for nonviolent crimes are done after five years, Rocco. So you can still yeah. do all you want. Nice. All right. Yeah. So, so uh, well, don't so, say his name though. I, will, I, will, yeah. I won't say. <laughs> I won't say his name, but I'll say this. So I remember, like, you know, this was a great way for me to get to know people, be open with people, whatever. But I remember this guy. He like he would wait till the managers would like leave the floor. And he would like be like kind of sexual, like flirt with like ah. like me, 
Oh, he would, wow. Yeah, he, he would flirt with me. He would flirt with the girls, uh, the other women, young women that were there. Oh, my and gosh. So, but, you know, he would flash like dick pics. You know what I mean? Oh, like, to, my God. <laughs> So he would do this on the floor while we're like clocked in. So, oh my! His God. owner, just like random people that he met, or was he scouting the internet? Where did like these coworkers? Go? Right? He, he would do it to co. He would do it to coworkers. So everybody oh on the staff. Wait, wait, so he was getting the coworkers' dick pics and showing it to other no, coworkers. He was he was showing coworkers his dick pic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he would show like his own dick pic, take his phone out, show it to, to oh show it to me, God. show it to. Uh, a girl so whatever so how none inappropriate of the manager, oh my none god of the, none of the managers knew about it i yeah. i knew about it. It, it everyone started to get sick of it so yeah. all the um like the a lot of the the women were like you know i was like you know it's okay to come out of the closet or something like that whatever i said one comment and he twisted it um that it was me so he said that I what that I that I, I outed him what yeah. <laughs> he, what he, he twisted it because he was really upset about being like outed to like management so yeah. he so and it wasn't me like it wasn't I didn't do that in front of the management but he he went in and acted like the victim after you oh. know after he had, after he showed everybody his you know dick you know, yeah. numerous for weeks. He goes in and says, it's me. And so- Oh my God. <laughs> he says that, that I'm the, like, I was, I was harassing him or something like that. So then what happened was H&M had to call me in. They're like, hey, did this conversation take place? I was like, yeah, but my involvement in it was like a millisecond. They were, everybody else was more active in the conversation than I was. Yeah. They said, well, he's like, oh, this guy's breaking out his cock shots again. Might as well get it over with. <laughs> So he's like, he's like, so he, long story short, he, they said, well, his narrative is that it was you that was kind of like coming for harassing him about his sexuality or something like that. And I said, well, that's the furthest from the truth. So they let me go. I, oh. I, 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 I did unemployment. Right. But then I was like, you know what? Well, well, they, they tried to deny my unemployment. So then I fought it. So then I was like, <laughs> yeah. I said, fuck this. So I got all the letters from all the women that yeah. were still employed with H&M. I had them write letters that this is exactly the opposite of what, what oh actually happened. He's been harassing. So I, I won against H&M for my, um, for my unemployment. And, um, and, you know, at that point, I just said, F you. And it good was for whatever. you, but, man. Thank yeah. Good job fighting that. Like, what a piece of shit. Wow. <laughs> so, so that was my and this is back. This is back with like flip phones, right? Like that's around this time. So this guy's doing the flip phone fucking razor. You know what yeah. I mean? He's Motor actually got razor. Polaroids. He has a whole photo album. He's like, hey, guys, check out. I got a photo album from uh, my sister's wedding this weekend. Why don't you yeah, come yeah. check out the hot dog stand? Yeah. And, and, and listen, I, if he respected, if he re, had re, been like a respectful person, I would I would say, okay, legitimately, maybe we went too far in teasing. But he wasn't. He was actually like a the predator in the situation yeah. and he tried yeah. he tried to he tried to flip it of course because i was like the now like coming to terms and coming out yeah. so he tried to flip it on the gay person and Such i said fuck bullshit. i said fuck you um mm. and um come out of that closet and go fuck yourself so anyways yeah. that's about it <laughs> that's such bullshit man <laughs> like what a creep what an absolute creep wow well i mean either way you know like he, he probably did you a favor you know what i mean because fucking fuck them you know and like it taught like also another thing man it just strengthened you you know like 
just showed your character of like, no, I'm not going to bow down to this and I'm going to stand up for my rights and what I believe. And you're, you were that good of like a person that your coworkers were, were like, they wanted to help you. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So. I, yeah. I had three different, um, basically letters that were written on my behalf and they, and they could have lost, I mean, they did it while they were still employees of oh, the company. Wow. So, so, so they, they could said, have lost their whole gimmick then. Oh yeah, my God. Dumb. But that, that was like the first kind of like, you know, um, yeah. drama in my work, um, <laughs> in my work career yeah. that I was like, okay, yeah, that wasn't fun. But, you know, it's you, when had, you kind you of realize that like not all your co like, the, yeah, like it's, it's one of those things like where you come up and like, are, are my coworkers, would they really turn me in for this random stuff? Mm. Or like, it's not even a big, oh, would they actually try and blackmail me for something taken out of context? It, it is crazy. Mm. Like when you realize that does happen in the real world, you know, you well, think it's, it's only a TV show or a movie situation. Yeah. Was the dick shower guy even good looking? Uh, I mean, he, and also he was, we're we're both dying to know how big was it. You know, <laughs> he was, should he have been showing it off, or was it like, dude, why are you showing this off? Yeah, he he was a grower, not a shower. That says it all. Yeah, and he no, he was he was a no. I you know until that moment. It was like I was like just caught off guard. So to that moment, I thought he was like a cool guy, and I was like, "Oh well, he's like I like that he kind of was ambiguous in terms of like his. He was just he seemed really chill, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that underneath all that was a whole lot of self hate and things. And so, um, but yeah, he was a he was a fairly good looking guy. I mean, you know, but he was a he was a jackass. And uh, you know, if if I had to say rad or lame, he'd be. Fucking super lame. <laughs> I'd say, hey, I think he's a mondo lame. Is what they're fucking talking about. So, all right, so let's keep it moving though, because we got a lot more ground to cover. So, you got it. Yeah, I'm gonna let's bunch the next two. So that, well, not the next two, but you worked. You were a key holder for the body shop, but then you moved to the city and you worked at the body shop at the airport, right? So, is this where did you start at the body shop? Also, w- what is the body shop? Can you kind of so the body it? shop is like. Uh, was developed, um, you know, for it, it's lotions and oh, fragrances and stuff yeah. like that. Developed in England by an activist called mm. Anita Roddick. And she was a uh, big into like, you know, fair trade and all that jazz. And so I was really into skincare and all that. Um, okay. So after H&M, I just went across the hall. Montgomery yeah. Mall yeah. did that. Worked as a key, <laughs> worked as a key holder, and I waved yeah. at a, you know my H and M, my past employees, and said, "Go, hey, how you doing? I'm making more yeah. money." Um, yeah, yeah, and so, yeah. Go shove it. <laughs> so yeah. then, um, I was doing pretty good, and then they wanted to give me a job at the uh, airport store, which would be, I thought at the time, I was like, "Oh, this is amazing! Like, I'm going to be a, I'm going to move to the city, and I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, run a store in." you know, the airport, I was going to be assistant manager and it was going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, well, it wasn't that awesome. So. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, when you say working at the airport right away, I think dream job, right? Yeah. <laughs> you see the I terminal, you meet Tom Hanks eventually, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're really just, it's the best place to be. No, it, I, that had to be a nightmare. So it was also the worst. Too, this is, this you're, did, yeah. you're like 22, 23 at the time. So yeah. what's that like 2008, 2009, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. It, there was, uh, so, I was so about, it's yeah. so security all time high. 
at this like it's i mean it's high as hell now but like so you had to go to an airport every day where the security was nuts and you were just like i'm trying to get to work guys Fuck, fucking frisk me i don't know what <laughs> you know so okay so kind of so you started out at the montgomery mall which is in you know the lansdale land of the free home of the brave then you moved to the city went to the airport so kind of explain to us what was the day so what was your commute and your day like uh day at work at the body shop at the airport so basically i got a house um an apartment right in south philly around 22nd nice. and wharton nice. and it wasn't it wasn't too far from, you know, center city, but yeah. um, t I, I would wake up, I would say 5 a.m. and then get on a, uh, the Broad Street line. I would, I would wait for that, take that into uh, City Hall. Um, yeah. And then from City Hall, I would take the, you know, the line, the L, the yeah. L right up, right into the airport. So then you, of course, as you know, you have to, um, so that's two trains, right? So you yeah. had to walk. So, so real quick though, yeah. real quick though, for people who don't know, you're in South Philly, which is closer to the airport. You then have to go from being closer to the airport to back to the center city, right? To so get on the regional rail. Exactly. To go from the subway train to a regional rail and then go back. You're passing your house on the way back to on the regional rail to the airport, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. I, and I, that's what I meant. Like the regional rail, um, had to take the regional rail to go to, um, then to the airport. So then once you get to the airport, um, you have to wait in line. And of course you have to go through all of the, oh. uh, you're crazy. Now, now they're a little more lenient because you had a, uh, like a badge at the time. So it was a lot faster than let's say if yeah. you were traveling, however, you still had to wait a certain amount of time, whatever. Yeah. So ultimately, it just came to a head. I did that for several months and I was trying to make it work. And I was like, I'm dying here. And if yeah. you were two minutes late, like say you had to wake up, do all that. The train was late, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You would get fined like $500. Like, um, what? Yes. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Oh, so the store. So to be clear, the store would get fined $500. If you open the store late, like even like two minutes. Um, oh. so, <clears throat> so it would, Jesus. So I said, yeah. So I said after <laughs> a few fines, because my ass was going to be late no matter what. I yeah. said, um, yeah, there's uh, yeah. this isn't working. <laughs> this isn't working. So, um, you know, I, I had asked for a transfer. Didn't happen. I ended up um, applying for like in the same realm for another, you know, yeah. a similar. Um, Look, I, I, uh, I understand the airport wanting Dunkin Donuts and, and yeah. Starbucks to be open at 7 a.m. But like, yeah. who's like getting into the airport and be like, the fucking body shop wasn't open at 7 a.m. What God kind damn of bullshit are you? What kind of Mickey and Mouse I don't have my fucking lotion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, I and, want and, it duty free and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at the time, like, like honestly, it's been however years. It could have been yeah. 8 a.m. whatever, whatever it was. It was Still, like early. Way too early for fucking lotion. It was early as hell, and I forget exactly, but it was that early, and I knew that it was just like, and I said, yeah. you know, this is not yeah. what I signed up for. This was yeah. kind of, this was a little nuts, and so Ugh, um, it's not worth the three. It. <laughs> it wasn't worth a three dollar raise. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, that's uh, great. So okay, so let's keep it moving then. So 
you were like, you went to the body shop. You're like, hey, uh, you and me, this ain't working out. It's not me, it's you, but it's actually you, it's not me. So you, you left there, and you worked at, uh, so then you did actually get a job kind of in Center City. So you worked at Lush Cosmetics on Wall Street. But at the same time, you're a host at Smoking Betty's while oh, in the theater like auditioning and doing photo shoots. So, yes, yes. so give us a hint. What was the day? Uh, give us a, a busy day in the life of old Rocco when you're at Lush Cosmetics, then you're hosting at Smokey Betty's, and then you're also auditioning for different, you know, plays and, and photo shoots and doing photo shoots and all that. So give us, give us a, give us a little taste of what it was like yeah. for old Rocco. You know, honestly, it was the best thing I could have done. So like, you know, moving into the city then though, yeah. though the, the, that job didn't last, it yeah. really was the best decision for my twenties that I could have yeah. made my early twenties. And so I just came to life. I took any opportunity that that was afforded me. So I did the, you know, lush cosmetics and I was on Walnut street and just like kind of selling products and having fun and being around young hip folk. And then, yeah. you know, and then I was doing at nighttime, I was doing hosting at smoking Betty's, and meeting people in the restaurant business. And that was awesome. So then on top of that, that's where I really started to cultivate myself as an independent artist. So yeah. I was doing, so I was doing like these androgynous, which they're all over my website. Mm -hmm. um, my, 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 that's, that's when I started doing my, like playing with androgyny. Quick little, doing, let's do a quick little plug on the website. Uh, yeah. Rocco yeah. dot com. That's yeah. R O C C O. D E F I N I S dot com. You got yeah. it. Rocco great, you, dot com. Great, great fucking plug there, party boy Pete. Yeah. Right. That's how you that fucking good. plug it, baby. <laughs> so okay. So nice. So you're like you're honestly you're, like I from what from what I know about you is like you're you're a guy that thrives under keeping busy and like a constant schedule. And you're like kind of like can, can go, go, go. So like you having the two jobs while auditioning and doing photo shoots, which is really three jobs, right? You're doing yep. all of this. You're making it work. You're kicking ass. You're in center city, which is high action, a lot of fun, a lot of stuff going on. So at this time though, was this at the same time that you auditioned at play and players and had the, well, let's just say the dance battle. Is this all happening at that same time? Yeah. So like after oh. a little bit of time, and so after a little bit of time, um, I started to meet people and, you know, in theater and I would go out and I would just do, you know, random dance battles with people. And I started to get exposed to like, like Vogue and like, like Vogue battles and all this like awesome stuff. Cause like people have to remember that in center city, there's a bunch of like performing art schools. So like you arts yeah. and all these people. So these like, you know, LGBTQ folk coming out letting loose and they're dancers and so yeah. it was just a really great way to like expose myself so i was doing auditions doing my thing um i found out about this through a mutual friend i found out about you know about this audition at playing players which is one of the oldest theater houses in yeah. in philadelphia yeah i've yeah. gone to a couple of shows there too it's always yeah. been a good time yeah, yeah pete's a very well cultured individual have you ever been to quigs then so you know like about the the secret bar uh, I, 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 maybe we got there early. So we did go to okay. a bar that was like all upstairs. Um, so yeah. I don't know if that's supposed to be a secret or not, but yeah, I, I just remember I went and saw like, it was supposed to be like a, it, was, it seemed like they marketed it as like a vaudeville Cirque du Soleil kind of thing, but in the plays and players, you know, realm. Yeah. That, oh. That's what I saw maybe yeah, eight it, years ago. 
it's a really awesome place. And uh, if you're industry, they, you know, you know, yeah. the bars, people can go yeah. to the bar and yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. So I had an audition um, there. Um, now I was, I was never a thespian growing up. So I was always like a talent show kid, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of like a, into pop music, whatever. Yeah. But I was like, okay, so this is for a play. Uh, it's kind of, it's supposed to be like a Jesus Christ superstar type, type uh, coming to age yeah. queer play i said let me let me go for it so i wasn't really prepared i picked a lady gaga song um i like you know totally tried tried to audition and give it my best but i was like and eh, eh, i'm not sure about that so i auditioned a couple days later i find out i don't get you know i didn't get you know a part or whatever but the I judges were madonna fans they yeah. didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly they were like they were like fuck this shit so i um <laughs> So then I ended up going to Woody's and I end up going and I, I'm dancing and I get into a dance battle, right? Um, all right. All right. Here we go. I'm talking about like, <laughs> did you, dude, I've been, so real quick, I've Pete, have you been to Woody's? I have been to Woody's. My, the, my, my, uh, my wife has, has a lot of friends in the gay community. So same. when we first started dating, I made the rounds. Yeah, uh, no. So, okay. So then, you know. <laughs> Right. Like I so I went to Woody's with my wife as well. And she had obviously friends in LGBTQ community and all that stuff. And we go there. Right. And I'm not going to lie. The fucking Pete, did you I mean, Pete can dance like there's no tomorrow. Like, let's be honest. Pete can fucking throw down. <laughs> yeah. I cannot. I only have one move. It's called small circles. Fucking check me out. But like, dude, I was I was watching that dance floor in fucking like jaw dropping because it was like the shit they're throwing out there. One, I saw this well, ass dude walking around carrying a shots tray with just a speedo on fucking thought that was great this guy was <laughs> out of his mind right totally on the gear just making extra money like bodybuilding in his spare time and and you know then making extra money at woody's but then the dances that were going on on the center of the floor like were unreal so you're legit you're at woody's and like you kind of hang out there doing your thing you know the people there and you go there after this show you didn't get the part you go there and you're like, I'm going to let my fucking feelings out on the dance floor. Kevin fucking Bacon. So you're out there. Right? Or Steve, uh, Steve Stifler in, uh, in American Pie too. He's like, all right, here we go. Or yeah. American Wedding. Yeah, yeah, dude, the fucking Stiffmeister. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, but you go out there and you fucking just let it all out. Let your emotions out through your dance. D- definitely. And like, what happens then? So, and also, well, can, can we give a shout out to the play? Cause it's a rock musical of biblical proportions by Eric yeah, Ransom. Is that right? Yeah. So um, the play that I had auditioned for was coming a rock musical of biblical proportions by Eric Ransom okay. and um, awesome playwright and yeah. just an amazing opera singer, um, talent actor, all that. So at the time, I'm sure also I was letting out a lot of emotion, but also I was trying to get laid at a bar. So I was, sure. um, you know, that's another reason there, why buddy. I was at Woody's. So, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, become like this big martyr. No, so I was going, you know, I was going there. I got into a dance battle. All of a sudden, I get a tap on the shoulder. And it's my, you know, now my friends, Mark and Bill, who are directing the 
the play yeah. yeah and they were like they're like you auditioned for us a couple of days ago and, and i was like what what is like i couldn't really hear them and i kind of like pushed like like yeah. like stop touching me like kind of deal you're and like then, get out of here guy i'm going <laughs> home with the blonde over there bug you know and, get and, a you know, six pack and come back <laughs> but then they, they're like no rocco like they really got my attention because i was like yeah. you know not paying attention they're like no you auditioned for us remember the play oh we didn't know you could dance they're like we need we need you know choreography or and some you know some dancers in the in the play would you the musical excuse me um would you want to do it and i said sure like that'd be awesome and so yeah. i got the opportunity i ended up getting uh getting wow you know, actually wow got the opportunity to be in the uh musical at prince music theater i did some choreography oh. um and was you know in the in the and so that's that was the start of a lot of a chain yeah. of a lot of great opportunities. So, so yeah, uh, so, so this is where that, it started. This is where the real Rocco was born, dude. Exactly, <laughs> dude. This is but that's the kind of fairy tale shit that I let's be honest, like that doesn't happen in the straight world. You know what I'm saying? Like like I would if I went out for an audition. There's no way like some fucking, you know, Joe Schmoe's coming to Graham's land of the free home of the brave afterwards and seeing me pounding Bud Light and being like, you know what? Actually, you should be a choreographer because you can fucking shit. You know, like there's no way that's happening. That's like a fairy tale. Thing. It's like when they were making God. There's there's a movie called God's Pocket that takes place in like a real like you know blue collar neighbor. Like, oh Matt, you drink on a bar so like nobody else. Get next to Philip Seymour Hoffman. You're in God's pocket right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know. So, but dude, that's fucking like that's kind of like a fairy tale thing that could only happen in your world in Woody's in Philadelphia. That's like kind of what makes a city such a magical place, you know? Like that's kind of like you're like that's what you were searching for, like the magic of living in the city while you were down there. And it's story like this, that's kind of that happening, which to me that's fucking awesome, man. And like that's like shit like when you think of like things being a movie, you know? Like we had a guy on here a couple weeks ago and we're going to release the episode soon. His name is Rick Outland. And he told us a story of he was a waiter at an old Italian restaurant and there was a singer from the 1930s and 1940s whose name was Harry Prime, who was in like his 80s and 90s and was singing there, right? And that uh, the, the guy we talked to, his name is Rick Outland, would sit down and talk to this guy and tell and this guy would tell him stories about back in the day hanging out with Babe Ruth and fucking Jack Dempsey and Tommy Dorsey and like all these guys, right? Oh, wow. And that's, yeah, that's like some fairy tale shit that would be a movie. This is the same fucking thing, man. You're there, like you're you fucking put poured your heart out into this audition. It didn't work out, but then you fucking just let your feelings out. You're trying to get some fucking get some fucking man pussy out there on the dance floor, and it turns out <laughs> a fucking a choreography gig, man. That's great. So, uh, okay, so this I do have this in the notes as the next thing. It says, "Ask about stories at the bar." So. Is there a story we need to hear about the bar? I'm trying to think of what what did we say about um trying to think of the because we were talking about Woody's and you're uh, and I was okay, oh, okay. so, so right, does this next one take place at Woody's or knock or where are we going here? So, so, uh, how crazy quick, are we going? Real quick, I just want to preface this. So my little brother shithead, we've mentioned he's also gay, right? And I remember he was living in Chicago and stuff and like doing his thing. And like, he was talking about like, you know, me and him were talking one time and he's working at all these places and all stuff. I was like, dude, you know how to like, I'll teach you or to walk you through it. It's not hard. Like you can bartend. Why don't you bartend? You know? And he told me, he's like, Matt. So, and he, he told me it to me like this. 
He's like, Matt, have you been at a bar and you see a girl and you're like, God damn, I just want to bang the shit out of that girl like right now. And I was like, yeah, obviously I've been at the bar. I've been at the gym. I've been at the fucking movie theater. I've been at the fucking. <laughs> I've been alive. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been walking. I've been at church. I've been at community yeah. service. I've been at the courtroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been fucking basically everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And had that thought. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, OK, so when you're at a gay bar and you have that thought it fucking happens. It does. Like, I'm not saying that it happened. He's like, he wasn't saying like, he's like a lot of the times it could happen where it's like, that's not happening for you. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes it has happened, but (laughs) a lot of times, like for me, that's not a thing, but like at a gay bar, like it's all men and the fucking hormones are high and everyone's juiced up and they're ready to go and they're drinking and having fun and doing their thing. Like it's not outside the realm of possibility to grab a guy, go in the bathroom and do your fucking thing. Right. Like, is that not true? Like he told me, he was like, that's the kind of shit, like some of that stuff does happen. Is that, is it, was he lying or what's going down? Well, I mean, I think that there is truth to that. And uh, I do agree that there, that is a possibility. Um, but I obviously it's that- not, it's not a free for all orgy. I'm not saying. Well, yeah, yeah, I will okay. say that, that, that as a guy that balanced the McFadden's it, it happens in trade bars too. Okay. As long, <laughs> as long as, yeah, yeah. So with that being said, as long as it's balanced, yes, it's very, yeah. it's very yeah. possible it happens because everywhere. it happens everywhere. And then also, yeah, you have the added, you know, um, the added, well, then, uh, yeah. If you got gay guys looking like you, come on, you know. Well, I, I guess the thing is, like, uh, so Rock, tell me, about, like, it, it's kind of like, 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 obviously, there's there's straight bars, or like, there was I bounced McFadden's where people were just like nuts and going to the bathroom. Then I, you know, also been at bars where it's like, oh, everyone's just chilling, doing their drink. And I'm I'm guessing gay bars are the same way. Whereas Woody's was kind of more the wild bar, and like Knock yeah. would be like, oh, I'm just chilling and, and enjoying my drink, kind of a bar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, certain places are more like a club kind of atmosphere and some are like a, like you're sitting down having a fucking drink. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So, okay, so I think we've gone over stories at the bar. That's fine. So all right, fans, now time for a break in the action. We're bringing you a new segment to the show. This is Shit That Happened in Wrestling with our good friend, Steve Davis. Steve, what shit happened in wrestling? We had a lot of shit happen this weekend at the Olympic trials. We actually got fucked by a cop. Not literally, but Jaden Cock was fucked because he decided he was a two-time defending world champion who's going to wrestle the former and defending gold medalist and also a former world champ, Kyle Snyder, who was supposed to square off in one of the most anticipated bouts there was. But what happened? Jaden Cox decided to stay in the training room a little long to, I don't know, lose some extra weight because he's a big cock. But no, he doesn't make it to the scale on time, and he gets eliminated from the tournament without ever wrestling like a fucking asshole. So that's the shit that went down in wrestling. And that was shit that happened in wrestling with our good friend Steve Cabot. Now, back to the show. Let's just, let's keep it going then. Um, so after, so you're, you're doing the choreography, everything like that. Then you release your first single after your, after a Britney Spears concert. And we're going to have, we're going to have a link for your music video for your first single in the description of this episode for all the people. And 
you got the attention. Uh, so you released the, the video. What's the name? It's, is it Go Go Crazy? No, no, that was the movie. What was the name of your first video, Nick? Or Rock? <clears throat> yeah, so basically the first single that I released was uh, Give Them Give What They Want. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, it was like, it was basically like a track that just was inspired by my time being around you know the clubs and dancing and living in the city and being free so it's, yeah. it was basically my coming you know coming of age i watched uh, it it's and, a very 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 good video very interesting yeah very very entertaining you. yeah of course great job man very proud anyway, of you i appreciate that um it was um yeah so it was just like it was inspired by you know vogue culture and mm -hmm. kind of being you know free liberated um and it really came from just I was drinking, you know, I was drinking one night and I was, you know, went home with somebody, did the walk of shame. Sure. And I had this, I had this lyric in my head. Um, I want tutus and Ken dolls. So fuck GI Joe. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, you know, there's a whole lot in there if you dissect it, but you know how, like, you know, as a queer person, I like to, you know, play with sometimes Barbies and sure. wear tutus or whatever. Yeah. And uh, as a gay person. And so um, I went to a producer in, you know, uh, Tommy Scorch in Philadelphia, really, uh, you know, well-known uh, hip hop and R&B producer and uh -huh. uh, met him through Ashley Patterson, a friend of mine who's an amazing singer. And we got the song up, released it. And um, at the time, um, you know, th which leads to the next opportunity, I was able to then do release, release the song um, at uh, Pro Bar, which we can talk about um, right after a Britney Spears concert. So I was able to, you know, to release Man. it. Like, Five, yeah. you know, you know, right at like 500 people were in the bar and, and they're it was, seeing it was, you. It, it, it Dude, was awesome. that's got to be yeah. that's got that's another kind of so this plays into the, you know, fairy tale in a, in the in the, you know, in the LGBTQ world where the, you want like you have this amazing experience where it's your art, right? This is your art. This is your self-expression. And you're playing it for hundreds of people after a Britney Spears concert. And you put your heart and soul in this thing. And to like see people get into this song and, 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 and like it and do their thing. Like that's such a rewarding feeling. But then also that musical got, or that music video got the attention of an indie director from a winning dance by winning a dance competition too at Woody's. So what happened there? So around this time, um, I, you know, was commuting to um, back and forth and, you know, to Atlantic city. I was a uh, singing, dancing. Oh, okay. Um, yep. Yeah. So you're yeah, living so in AC. Okay. Yeah. So I was, well, I was working in AC, still living in Philly. I was going uh -huh. back and forth. Uh, you know, being a singing, da dancing bartender in Atlantic City. And, but around this time, I, I heard about a Woody's uh, competition. Um, they were having a competition to be a go-go dancer in this mockumentary with Head of Lettuce, which is a renowned, pretty famous uh, uh, yeah. drag queen. And so I ended up competing for it at Woody's um, for this spot. Um, I won the competition and then I was able to be in my first LGBTQ kind of like film uh, called go go crazy yeah. so all this stuff was kind of happening all at once and it and was then, really, a really exciting time you know, at the and time. then yeah. after that right so you're in so you're doing the so you're we, we i guess i i guess i passed over this but you're doing the you're at the bar in ac and you're like a performing bartender in a way 
right? Yep. And then you're also you're you won the dance competition at Woody's, which got you the part in the movie Go Go Crazy. And then you also won Mr. Gay Congeniality of Philadelphia in 2009. You're also the runner up in 2011. Right. All right. So, yep. so not only like, dude, you're like this dancing is like something you've just loved your whole life. And like what we've talked about it, you really didn't, you went to like some dance schools kind of thing, but you were always just like, you weren't following the rules. You were just, it really was your, your feelings and your heart poured through your dance. And this, it's giving you opportunity after opportunity and people seeing your talent and people seeing your work. And it's giving you opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And like you're flourishing doing this. And then you win fucking Mr. Gay Congeniality of Philadelphia and you're runner up in 2011. And this isn't no fucking Joe Schmo competition. Like there's thousands of people that go out for this. Right. So you win it and you're a runner up doing this at the same time. So going through this like 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, like you must have just been nonstop having fun, kind of living the dream. Is that kind of what's going on at this time? Yeah, it was just a really great time. Yeah. Like, I think when you're in that zone and I think, you know, you're just really passionate about what you do. You just, yeah. you know, you, you're open to the possibilities. And it was, yeah, it was just a very creative yeah. free time for me. And things were happening. And I I said, yes, you know, my grandfather um, always says, you know, if someone gives you an opportunity, say yes. And you can yeah. always say no. you can always say no later. You know, you can always great, say oh. great advice. That is a good point. Yeah. Great advice. Your um, grandfather also named Rocco, correct? So he was, um, he, so he got his name Rocky because he was the only, he lived in a primarily Irish neighborhood and he was the yeah. only Italian in that neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Us mix love to give those Itais some fucking nicknames. You spaghetti bending fuckers. Yeah. You know, actually, actually we found out my mom did the, uh, so my whole life, my mom had thought that she was like, uh, like 90% German. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, she does the 23 and me gimmick finds out that she's 75% Italian. And that, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe my grandma had a little hoo-hoo with the fucking hoo-hoo. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. so it turns out I'm a fucking spaghetti bender now and I'm part of the fucking Cabot Dance Club. So how you doing? Huh? You think my huh? name is now Matthew the Slut. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Lusla. <Lesla. laughs> My name is now Matthew Ravioli. How you doing, huh? Hey, fucking lasagna to you too, babe. Huh? You know, so yeah. So okay. So okay. So your grandfather got the nickname Rocky from all those stupid mix that couldn't think of a better nickname. Uh, so nice. So okay. So let's keep it moving because I really want to get this going because we got some good stuff. So Cool. You're you're winning the Mr. Congeniality in a run-up 2011, but then you also did the Philadelphia Ballet as a side job. The yeah, really? side What's job? This? What so the I did, fuck? So for a little bit of time, this is just a blip, and we don't have to spend much time on that. Uh, but I, you know, I I did I did a bunch. Like there's so many jobs like I that I've done for like either two months, three months. Like we could not. You know, it would take it would take a year to go over. But one yeah. one another side hustle I had while my time in Philly was, uh, you know, I I, I did sales for the mm -hmm. Philadelphia Ballet, nice. um, you know, over the phone. So nice. I was doing that as a side hustle, um, right. you know, and all that. And, and and to go back to my grandfather, my grandfather was Rocky, right? So my middle name was Nicholas Rocco Fifinis, right? Mm -hmm. And so my middle name Rocco, and that's why I decided to actually use rocco as my 
you know, as my stage name because of his, he was very passionate in like That's, the arts and yeah. an advocate. He always fought for like people that like, you know, the under, you know, underprivileged and yeah. uh, he was, you know, big into the arts and the, that's you know, awesome, as man. you know, so that's, that's, that that was like uh, kind of like pay homage to him. That's yeah. why I chose to go by, you know, by good but, dude. That's fucking cool. awesome. And I, and I guarantee he's looking down, thanking you and, and keeping his legacy going. And that's a great thing. You know, I, I've never met, I only met one of my grandparents and she was fucking awful. She was like, did you ever see Goonies, <laughs> right? You know, you know, the mom from Goonies, right? Yes, I know exactly that, what you're talking that, about. That was my grandma, man. And she was the fucking, she used to beat me with hangers, man. She was awful, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, she died on my birthday too. So she fucking oh, stuck Lord. it to me at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, that's one Happy thing. birthday, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, take that one, you little shit. Here, here's a hanger for your birthday, you little fucker, huh? You know? But I wish way. it was you. Shout out to Peg. Love you, Peg. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but either way, that's one thing that like I really want for my daughter is to have her grandparents be such like a big influence because they're so important, man. So, so important. And I'm really great. Like, yeah, that's something that's awesome that your grandfather was a big advocate for art and for like being true to yourself and all that stuff and that you honor him with your stage name. I think that's great. So but Thank let's you. keep it. Let's keep it going. Yep. So, uh, Philadelphia, LA, we got rid of that. So then, after that, you moved to New York and worked at Planet Hollywood NYC. Is that right? That is correct. And yes. I... At, at the same time, sorry. Uh, at the same time, you auditioned for my big gay Italian wedding. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And and how this kind of translates into you know um, opportunities, kind of like uh, manifesting was like Eric. Eric Ransom, who had wrote the play that I, you know, musical that I was in in Philly. Coming, coming rock musical of biblical proportions. Yep. You were yeah, the choreographer like, on that. Yep. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? There's an audition. You're Italian. You should, you know, you should. Because uh, he, <laughs> nice he, <laughs> he was in, he was in the, um, you know, in the show. So he's yeah. like, oh, you should do it. So I, I uh, remember. Again, I've never been the most prepared person, but um, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was like, well, you know, why not? So what I did was I went to, um, uh, you know, like a, uh, like a Xerox or something, yeah. yeah, Kinkos or whatever. I didn't have uh, my like headshot, so what I did <laughs> is I took my profile, my grinder profile. And I, I, I enlarged it and I, <laughs> and I made a copy and it literally was a copy. Like, it wasn't like anything fancy. It wasn't like, you know, you, you know, just, hard copy. You just it was blew just, it was up paper. your grinder profile <laughs> pick and use that as your headshots for your audition. Also, like, well, this shot, this, this headshot's been working for a couple of years now. So, yeah, we'll hey, this, 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 this grinder headshot never failed me before, babe. So come on. So. Real quick though, real quick though. So you took this to uh, your headshot to audition for my big, my big gay Italian wedding. Uh, yep. Did the people recognize your grinder headshot? Yes, the um, <laughs> the so they the, knew, so they fucking knew. So they if they knew it was your grinder profile pic, then obviously it fucking works because they're following you on fucking grinder. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Well, you know, like, oh, here's the, this motherfucker didn't <laughs> sleep right last time. No job for him. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, and by the way, just to let you, all you hetero breeders know that Grinder, <laughs> Grinder was the OG of all that shit. Okay, yeah. so yeah. you know the gays the are the one, one that the gay. You should be thanking all you homophobes that are out there, not you guys, but all you homophobes. <laughs> just let you know you're getting laid today because of the uh, technology that Grinder provided. But anyway, yeah. so you're um, welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, so, so long story short, I go to the audition. Um, Anthony, the director, he's a great guy uh, and the writer. He he actually called me out. He's like, "Is this your gr Grinder profile?" I was like, "Yeah, I have to be honest. This is." Yeah. Um, he looks at my resume. I audition. And I think he just saw my passion and he knew I, you yeah. know, had a history with Eric and, you know, yeah. all that. And um, I ended up getting hired. It was my first audition. It was like a month into living in New York City. Oh, and I got great, my first, man. I got to, you know, be a equity uh, actor. Equity you know? eligible actor. So what is, yep. so for us uh, non-homophobes that don't know that shit, what is an equity eligible actor? So, so you can be a non-union actor or you can be an equity actor and equ equity is basically union actor. So there's a oh, lot of, nice. you know, things that benefits that uh, come yeah, from oh, being, for sure. You get insurance an and uh, 401k yeah. and all that happy horse shit. Yeah, exactly. So um, it was my first official contract and it was awesome. And you know what? It was like that show was the biggest learning experience. Cause I was, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I wasn't a trained thespian mm -hmm. or actor. So I just, kind of got thrown in there and then yeah. i'm around all these really 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 talented artists and yeah. i you know i fumbled at first but then i learned and got better through through experience and it was just such an amazing experience and man. uh yeah so that so, happened but me. you're and, dude yeah. you're this is another fairy tale man like you're living the dream you're in a play and this is an off-broadway play in new york city that how long did this show run for on off-broadway so this show was uh, had had been on, I think, for like uh, nine, nine, ten years. Uh, it, it was it, it was uh, really, you know, well known. And it's yeah. been sublet it to, you know, to other states and all that. So it's it's uh, it was around for a very long time. And I was just, yeah. a, you know, very honored to be a part of it and to dude, yeah. get that experience. So that's a hell dude. To be able to to last, like, dude, if you're able to last three years on off-Broadway or on-Broadway, like, on-Broadway or off-Broadway, if you're able to last three years, that's a fucking major accomplishment. That is unreal. A lot of get paid. Oh, a lot dude, of, that is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is unreal. That's a lot of sick tickets you got to sell. You got to be pretty fucking good to do that. So these guys were able to last that long. That's dude, that's fucking incredible, man. That, yeah, you were yeah. you were able to be part of that. That's a hell of like a hell of a thing. So what is uh the next thing? So you did so I'm gonna I'm go, we're moving on. So you did the cranky cabaret, and at the same time, you were working at Forever 21 in Times Square as the dancing greeter, and you had a little conflict with conflict with a pseudo celebrity at the same time. <laughs> So, so I, I don't know, uh, I guess, I don't know, Pete, if you and uh, Rock are friends on Facebook, but I remember this is back in the day. I remember seeing these videos and these posts on Facebook of Rocco in the middle of Times Square, right? He's dancing and singing and getting all these people to come into Forever 21 in Times Square. And he's putting the videos out on Facebook. And I remember watching being like, holy fucking shit. Like, like, it's like a crowd of people. He became like, like a phenomenon in Times Square. So he, so that being said, he gets all this attention and there's someone that gets a little bit jealous 
that someone was taking all of mom's attention. So who did you have a little bit of a conflict with when you're at Forever 21 there, uh, uh, Rock? Well, well, Matt, well, thank you so much for the term phenomenon. I think um, I'm going to keep you as my, my hype man for the rest of eternity. <laughs> um, that was a far-fetched, that's far-fetched. But no, but I, you know, I ran, I was working for Forever 21 and they, they mm -hmm. needed a greeter and I said, I'll do it, but I'm going to do it yeah. my way. So I started dancing and all that. And I, I started to build up uh, people. I met a lot of cool people and get a lot of attention but the naked cowboy i met a few times he started to see <laughs> that he's been doing it for you know for like 20 years um he um started to see that and he actually at one point came in and he started to like wanted to talk to me and stuff and i said well we can't talk because legally you're not supposed to be in here but yeah. and i'm sorry and so he was like he did i think he was trying to capitalize on what yeah. was going on yeah but then trying to steal but, your thunder yeah <laughs> but but no he was a he's a really nice guy and he uh he deserves like he you know he was you know he kind of created his own little legacy but long story yeah. short the management had to kick him out because uh he he stepped in in his in you can't, his yeah no shirt reach. no shoes no shirt yeah. yeah you can't walk into forever 21 with your fucking speedo and a cowboy hat on and nothing else you know what i mean like he's that's it, his whole shtick is he still dude what is his workout regimen because he was yoked right well i don't know but i'll tell you right now he was a smart a, a smart mofo he uh you know, he has a, he made a lot of money. Um, he had um, intellectual property. So there was a lot of even times, where I, you know, I remember talking to him for a little bit. He was telling me how like people tried to mimic and he was able to actually go after them. Like, like, cause that was his intellectual property. So oh he, oh uh, my God. Yeah. Wow. He, um, it was, and that was, that's what New York's about. We're fucking like, booking him on the show. Fucking getting the naked cowboy. <laughs> and, and it was crazy, but that's what New York's about. Like these crazy experiences. Yeah. I had a lot of them. They're just like, what the, like, what the hell <laughs> did this just happen? Yeah. Um, and so it was really awesome. And it was uh, uh, a lot of fun. And I create, I never, I, I worked at forever 21. I never folded a shirt. They always knew that <laughs> when I clocked in, I was going to go in. Like sometimes I would be like Mary Magdalene. I would throw a scarf oh over my, my head. God, that's take so one of the, <laughs> I would take the t-shirt racks and like, like, <laughs> you know, kind of like skirt through the, the hall, the halls and the, in the front of the store. And they, um, dude, but and, you're, and you're that, yeah. doing what they want. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't get advertising like that. Like you being like a showman and bringing people into the store you can't fucking like there's no place that they can find advertising like what you were doing like there's so many people walking times square that just walk by forever 21 but you're doing this shit and people are stopping looking taking notice and are like oh wow uh well let's fucking check this out let's check out mary Man magdalene fucking skiing by on a fucking empty shirt rack you know like let's see what's going on hey naked cowboy take a fucking break like let's go so dude that's awesome so and honestly too that's another thing we've been talking this whole time about your personalities fearless that is fearless to be able to do that i know i i consider myself somewhat outgoing and and whatever and i think pete you're in the same boat but i don't know if i'd be outgoing enough to dress as mary magdalene and do the dance or even even not even do that just like dance and talk to perfect strangers walking by in times square i don't think i'd be able to do that and it takes like a lot of like self, like self-confidence and courage and things like that, man. And hats off to you. So 
Thank that's you. pretty fucking cool. So, all right. So you were there for a little bit. So you left. So you leave New York. You move back to Lansdale, Pennsylvania, land of the free, home of the brave. And you lived there for a couple months. And you worked at the gay bar called The Raven in New Hope, right? And, yeah, I worked. Yeah. And you and you came up with Gender Bender Brunch. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I did that for a little bit. You know, I've always done the androgyny thing, and um, yeah. every 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 space that I go into. Um, I try to kind of leave my mark. And um, that's something we did for a little bit. It was a cool creative project. Um, the Raven was, which, unfortunately, which was, you know, knocked down recently, was was a historic landmark, really, um, you know, for queer, you know, gay people for 40 years. So anyways, I got an opportunity to serve and bartend there. Um, it was one of the first places I ever went to, actually, when I first came out for a drink. And yeah. uh, so, oh, so I nice. wanted to make my mark yeah it was a it was a really it's just a really it was a really you awesome had some place. emotional attachment to it yeah oh my god yeah um so, so yeah you, then i you go there and yep go ahead and i created my uh you know my uh concept with a, another server anthony and we did um gender bender brunch and we would you know dress up sing songs um while we were serving actually we would be serving food and brunch and boozy you know mimosas and bloody marys and uh it was a lot of fun so i did that for a little bit and dude uh, so wait wait so you would dress up in like just like some cool clothes and you're just like singing show tunes while you're bringing out some waffles and and you know uh, scrambled eggs and omelets and all that happy stuff is that what's going down yeah. Yeah. So it was a fun, it was a fun time. People, we, people had fun. Um, and it was a, it was a way to, again, like the, the current of my life, it was just a, another way to kind of express myself yeah. and, and do create, like, I guess the a big message there, uh, people throughout this is that, you know, create your experience and create your space. And even if something yeah there's room to to make it what you want it to be right yeah. it could have just been a normal bartending job instead but you we, changed it right. yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. you made it your own and you made it something like like you kind of created a job that made you happy right exactly. like you went it you went yeah. into a job seeing it as like okay i know it's this and you could have been like a lot of other people and just fucking been like yeah whatever blah 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 but you turned it into something that you can enjoy and make fun and that's a fucking talent man and more power to you. So, and Rocco, if, if gender bender brunch is still going on, if it comes back, I suggest you have Bender from Futurama in drag as the mascot. Oh, I think man. it's a deal. That would be killer. <laughs> Great idea. So nice. So, um, uh, so you're doing the gender bender brunch and everything's going great there. You left the Raven. Right. And you went and managed the Clarion Hotel. Right. And you're living with your boyfriend in New Jersey at the time and you're managing the Clarion Hotel. And then you released your second single, Read, which will also have a chat. We'll also have a link for this music video in the description as well, obviously. And you released this single. And I listened and, and watched this one the other day, too. Dude, very I'm very fascinating, very interested by your work. And it's really <clears throat> I and I hope the listeners check it out because it, it is very thought provoking and very cool. You know what I mean? Like very niche and very much like the kind of like art you kind of like the kind of I'm, I'm a big fan of creativity. I'm really like if something, is, you know, is creative, it really gets me and has like a, a unique kind of look and a unique kind of touch. And that's what I thought when Reed and, you know, and we'll talk about Escrow too, 
But like both of those to me, I thought were very, very cool. So you release your second single and what, how was that? How did that go? And while you're working, playing a hotel, you're living with your boyfriend in, in Jersey and everything. Cause people that don't know new hope is right on the river. So you live in Jersey, you're fucking, you're 20 feet away from new hope. You know what I mean? So either way, <clears throat> so you're working at Clarion, you release your single. How was life then? How are you doing there? And, and how would you like working at the hotel? Yeah. So I was, um, so I was the bar manager at the Clarion hotel. Once I, um, left the Raven. I was uh -huh. commuting back and forth uh, with, at the time, my partner, Josh, and we were, you know, he, who was also a mu uh, an amazing musician. Yeah. And um, so during that time, I just really needed, uh, I knew that I needed something creative, right? But, but, you know, that was going to, you know, allow me to express yeah. Uh, yeah. the current state of where I was. And I think for me, there was a lot of like the evolution of like, um, just my consciousness, like, like, like I was, had just got, went into therapy and like yeah. work, working on myself more. And so Reed was like that song, which was about self-reflection yeah. and it was, a to and I wanted something totally different from give them what they want. Yeah. So um, it was awesome. And, and because of, you know, I was working at the hotel, I had the space to then, uh, you know, release it there. So I released it at the hotel and um, you know, uh, had a big release party there and it was really nice. And so Reed is that kind of like, I'm grown up now. I'm understanding mm -hmm. life a little more and I'm focusing on myself versus tearing other people down. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it was really, I was really happy to get it, get it done. I, I recorded it, um, with James, James Cravero, who actually is a Grammy award winner. He, he, his, um, his recording studio is called the fuge and okay. it's in, it's in Warminster. And uh, it was awesome. And I had some help with it with Tim Campbell. He helped write the song and uh, yeah. So it was Dude, an amazing top. That's off awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome, man. What an experience too. And like, like you're saying, so you're finding ways to just like kind of let out like, it's almost like you have this creative, like just like creative bomb inside of you that you just have to let it out and explode every once in a while. Otherwise, like it's, you know, it's like it's therapeutic for you in a way doing that. You know what I mean? So you with these singles is you letting like a part of yourself out and into the world and showing people it right. Like that's to me is like, you know, people and I've talked about this on the show before. People don't understand like how when you're like, you know, doing something creative or putting yourself out there. Like I remember when I was fighting and stuff like that, like, you know, yeah, there are people that d do support you, but there are people that genuinely want you to fail and genuinely will get satisfaction out of your failure or something like that. Right. And to still have the courage to say, fuck all that. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to fucking follow my heart and my creative genes. And I'm going to put my shit out there the way I want to do it. And then follow through with it because there's a lot of fucking talk too that people don't follow up with and being able to follow up through with it and, and get it out there and get your voice. This is your voice and you should be proud of your voice out there, man. It's a big thing. And I, my fucking hats off to you, brother. That's some great shit. You know, I, no, I, I thank you. And I appreciate that. And I think that that is just like what, how I look at life, right? Like you, we have one life to live and you have to make the best of it. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many, you know, stumbling blocks that we can, we can make excuses of why yeah. we shouldn't do something, can't do something. 
But at the end of the day, you really have to look at how do you look at yourself and how do you look at, you know, your legacy and what, what do you want your legacy to be? And I, you know, I focus on that. I I focus on that when, you know, when I'm 60, I want to look back and I want to have at least 20 singles that I was like this, this represented myself regardless of where it goes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. This represented my life and who I was as an artist. And uh, yeah, so, but I appreciate that. And you too. I mean, look at this, look at what you, like I told you before, I was like, look, this was a, just an idea of yours and you are taking the energy and the time that a lot of people don't understand. They don't understand how much effort this takes and you're doing it. And so you should be, you should be uh, patting yourself on the back too. So appreciate that. We just actually passed 2000 downloads on podcast platforms. So big shout out to us. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, Matt. And our number one, uh, our most, you know, and hopefully Rocco, you'll break the record, but uh, our episode with the most downloads goes to our, uh, our guest host today, party boy, Pete McCormick. So there you go. So oh, I, well, yeah. I'm gonna lose that. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, so Rucka, I messaged my wife, and apparently you have you and her have a lot of mutual friends on Facebook. So you you're might you might blow up, you know. And uh, oh, we'll see. <laughs> all right, that's well, great. Well, now I'm competitive, and now I have to win. So I'm <laughs> and I have to win because now we have mutual friends, and now you can blow up. Like, no, I have to beat this guy. Yeah. Well, technically, Pete, know. you're you're on this episode as well, so this does count towards your score. So it's really no, no, that's how I'm doing. I'm getting the best guess. I'm going to double up. <laughs> so the game was rigged before I could. Yeah, win. you're. Yeah, it totally screwed you. So, yeah. okay. if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Yeah, that's it, brother. You ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's damn truth. So, okay. So, like I said, we'll have a shout out for your second single read in the description, obviously. And then after you leave the Clarion Hotel, you got a job as a GM at the Toasted Walnut in Philadelphia, right? How long were you at the Toasted Walnut for? I think about a year and a half, two years. Um, so, at the time, yeah. yeah. Go, 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 so go, I, go. Yeah, so... Um, I ran the bar for a bit. It was a goal of mine because I had spent so many times in different bartending jobs and, you know, I wanted my, a real big chance to run a bar and it was amazing. Uh, Denise Cohen, who, uh, ran sisters for 17 years. She bought that. It was a great safe place for, Mm -hmm. for the community, um, ran it for about a year and a half, but then unfortunately, and not to put this on a down note, but you know, I, you know, my mother, you know, got terminal well, not God, but uh, had a diagnosis of terminal cancer. And so I kind of, between balancing a relationship and doing that and trying to go to her side, I just made the decision to, to, to leave the bar, but it was an amazing, exactly. But it was an amazing experience. And um, I learned a lot about myself and, you know, my strength and, you know, priorities too. I think as we grow and get older, we learn you know, jobs that, come uh, and go, jobs come and go. You're fucking you're when your family needs you. And I think Pete, you would, you're one of six and you would definitely agree, even though like, even if you didn't get along with your sibling or your mother, your father, whatever, if this something kind of happens, it's fucking drop everything and you're there. And that's, yeah. you know, and like you had, like, it's part of your job as a man to fucking, that's your job. You're that's your mom. You're her son. And you did the right thing, man. And that's, and you know, jobs come and go, but you're right. Priorities is when your mother's sick and she needs you, you need to fucking be there. And you were there. And I, I, goddamn man, I know she fucking, she thanked, thanked the, you know, thank, you know, thank everybody for every second that you were there. I guarantee it. Yeah. You know? and, I, and I, and I think that, you know, it was for her, it was for me. And I also think it's in general, I just think that people, you know, um, 
had to decide, okay, like, do I want to regret something or, you know, by not being there or do I actually want to be a part of the process? And I knew from either, that was the only answer. So, um, you know, I did that and then, you know, left the bar, but it was, it was a great time. Why, why I was there, I was able to do a couple artistic projects. I got, um, you know, did a, you know, some creative projects with Peppermint from RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, brought her, brought her in to do a, pub crawl before i left the bar um That's and it was awesome. highly successful had yeah. had frankie bradley's and um boxers at the time involved yeah. and so yeah so a lot of cool things came from that uh that experience as well so yeah that's awesome man and then so and you know let's and, and i know we don't want to keep it down but that is a tough thing that you went through but at this time too, did uh, your he? I guess he was your ex at this time. But Josh reached out to the Blackhearts, and you were you were backup vocals for Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Is that right? So, <clears throat> so what so what happened was um, the time that I was at the Clarion um, before going to Toasted Walnut, I was. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> But around it was around that time, around the time about to go into Toast of Walnut, I yeah. uh, Josh got an opportunity to um, reach out to the Blackhearts, um, mm-hmm. like like Tommy Price and yeah. the original uh, original drummer, like one of the original. Pete, well, you know you know Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, right? Oh yeah, I love yep. rock and roll. Oh yeah, dude, fucking killer, fucking that's a killer fucking song, right? So okay. So sorry, Nick. Go ahead. So you reached out to the drummer and everybody in the Blackheart. Sorry, keep going. No, yeah. It's so basically, uh, Josh was, um, you know, a big fan of Joan Jett, and he reached out to some original members, including Tommy Price, the drummer, and the original basis on "I Love Rock and Roll." Um, they would have it. He he created a whole album of his original songs with those musicians, um, like two of them. And then um, I did some backup vocals. So on like on the album, which was really cool. And I got to meet them, you know, um, and uh, uh, Tommy and Gary from the Blackhearts. Uh, Joan Jett, uh, unfortunately, wasn't a part of that project. But, um, you know, it was a, <laughs> it, oh, was a it was a cool um, it was a cool thing. And, and I was happy it was to a very support. cool fucking thing, man. The fucking Blackhearts are legends, bro. That's fucking really cool. So, yeah. Nice, man. So that's another just experience that you got because people recognize your talent. So you're so you leave. So obviously your your mother gets sick. But like we said, you leave the Toasted Walnut and then you come back to Lansdale, Pennsylvania, land of the free home of the brave. And you worked at a local tap and stove. Right. Is that what it's called? And yeah, yeah. I worked at local tap and uh, uh, local tap and stove and tap. I was doing bartending and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, did my thing. I got a job, um, decided I wanted to get out of the bar business for a little yeah. bit, got a job at, um, Jules thin crust. So and... good. So good. Pete, I don't, I, you, they probably don't have it where you're at, but I, I used to live, it, yeah. I used to live in North Wales. Next time you're at your parents, fucking get it. Well, you'll get a plane right. cause you don't eat vegetable. Well, apparently you eat vegetables. Well, I'll get that with extra cheese. Yeah. I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll eat a vegetable <laughs> too. Yeah. You used to be a man and not eat any vegetables, but I don't know what fucking happened. You get married. Now. <laughs> well, you know, I got married. I got whipped and now I have to eat asparagus every once in a while. It's <laughs> yeah, horrible. Man. It's That's good for the, you. Yeah. It's one of the yeah. downfalls of being married. You got to eat vegetables. 
So, okay. So either way, you get a job at Jules Thin Crust, right? And then, bam, while you get a job there, you got hit with the fucking Pandy Wandy, just like the rest of us, and COVID knocks you out, right? Yeah. So I was working there when, uh, at Jules Thin Crust, and then COVID hit. And of course, that not, you know, I had to go, you know, I was unemployed at that point because yeah. uh, there was no business. Yeah. So um, that gave me a time to just write. And I just wrote a shit ton of songs. I have nice. about 50 songs that I, Ugh. you know, that I have kind of like in my back burner. And mm-hmm. um, during this time in January, this past January, I released Escrow, which is my third single. Yep. Um, and uh, that was really about like, I saw, I had a friend recently with my, my mom, my mother had passed a year prior mm-hmm. and I had a friend um, and a few friends actually that were during this time dealing with addiction and just a lot of like internal stuff. So I, I wanted to create a song um, that kind of like touched on that torment that some folk were dealing with prior to COVID and then yeah. also during COVID. I think yeah. that exasper- exas- exasperated kind of the issues. So escrow is that song is about material materialism and addiction. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I shot the video in Asbury um, at the um, Asbury. Well, I guess it was considered the, what is that? Oh my God. I can't Asbury draw a blank. Yeah, I was thinking of the actual bar that I shot it at. Oh. It was um, oh. the gay bar in Asbury. Of course, I'm going to have to get there. Uh, mm. I haven't of, been there in a while, so I don't remember the name. Let me I mean, the name. Hold on. <laughs> so, I tried, tried, so anyways, I can't even think. This is yeah. two hours long, so my brain is going crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, all, we're all getting fried. So, so, so like, shot, but like you said, uh, Escrow yeah. is your third single. It has over 10,000 views on YouTube, just an FYI. Fantastic video fantastic man really love what you do artistically i'm not kidding very creative very cool and then also obviously link will be in the description of this but so you did so you released escrow sorry i interrupted you keep going so i released i released escrow um and it was a music video was uh shot by carlo anthony um amazing videographer and uh so that was like my way of saying okay like, let's keep this journey going. And mm-hmm. um, my next moves are really to, you know, I'm going to do some, I, I think my goal is to do some crowdfunding and then do some, you know, a few more singles this spring and summer and to be more consistent. You know, I think what I've nice. learned over time is that you just got to be a little more, you know, consistent with your art. Content, and your, content, and content, your, baby. That's exactly. It. So that's, um, that's, that's what they say is the name of the game. So that's where we are right now. Present day. I, I, I help out with my sister, uh, yeah. my sister, Nikki, she has downs. So mm-hmm. I'm home with her and I help, I help out. I write songs and then looking for my next uh, endeavor. We'll see Dude. what, where, where I go from here. Well, so, how do you like podcasting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> I'm, not as, I'm not as freaking funny as you guys. You guys, uh, are, you, guys uh, you say that, but uh, yeah. we're not believing it. <laughs> yeah, you stole the fucking show again, buddy. Let me tell you. But so I, I you know, and I know I'm, I'm not speaking. I don't want to speak for Pete, but I'm pretty sure Pete would agree. Uh, Rock man, this has just been fantastic, and would love to have you back on if you'd be willing. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, just giving me the platform to speak and uh, yeah, I would love to come back. So. All right, listeners. So we're going to end the show here, but I want to talk about something. Uh, as you recall in last week's episode, the bastard asshole that is Tom Lavelle snuck <laughs> onto my show. 
It's my fucking show. All right. He snuck onto my show and he had some outlandish lies saying he thought of this show and that it's his idea. And and son of a bitch, he bought the rights to the show from underneath us and we didn't even fucking know. So now he owns the show. And for me to get my show back legally, I have to beat him in a game of Mario Kart. Uh, that will be streamed live on Twitch, live from Graham's Pub, Land of the Free, Home of the Brave. Uh, you can come watch it live in person and, you know, enjoy me whooping his ass and winning the rights to my show. Or you can watch us on our Twitch stream when, uh, you know, I'll have the Twitch channel created because I don't have one yet. But when we do, we'll fucking be on it. It'll probably be at Working Perspectives Podcast. <laughs> but Matt, way. I will be there with my stretch arm strong doll in hand, ready to oh, tie Tommy shit. Boy up. Yeah, you're yeah. goddamn right. Loser gets tied to a tree. Yeah, with a stretch arm song. <laughs> son of a bitch. But yeah, so fucking that son of a bitch snuck on the show. And Snake or Shake snuck him on. Yeah, Shake, a.k.a. Snake, you know, snuck him on. And fucking now I have to challenge him and beat him in Mario Kart to get the rights to the show back. And we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But it's going to be brutal. It's going to be fun. And it's going to be killer. And it's going to be on Twitch. And it's going to be at Graham's Pub, Land of the Free, Home of the Brave. We're going to sell that fucking place out. Uh, if anyone wants to give me ideas for entrance music, uh, shout them out to us on all our socials. At uh, We're on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast. We're on Twitter and TikTok at Working Peapod. Uh, before we go, uh, Rocco, anything you want to say to the fans before we roll out? Um, crack is whack. True that. Crack is whack. No, um, no, just keep keep dreaming, keep manifesting, and you know, go after your dreams, and don't yeah. uh, let anyone hold you down or or project, you know, their ideas onto you. You know, make yeah. make your experience. So yeah. that's all I have to say. Yeah, have the courage to be yourself. Absolutely. And then Party Boy Pete, you got anything you want to say to the dozens and dozens of Working Perspectives podcast listeners? This is more of a working tip. If you get caught showing pictures of your junk to your coworkers, just blame it on the gay guy, and you won't get in trouble, Hilo. <laughs> just a little tip for our working uh, retail people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, uh, so, all right. Well, this has been another episode of the Working Perspectives Podcast. I'm Matt Lavelle, accompanied by Party Boy Pete McCormick and our guest today, Rocco to finish. You can find us on all podcast platforms and YouTube at Working Perspectives Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Working Perspectives Podcast and join us on the Twitter and the TikTok at Working P Pod. Like to be a guest on the show? Hit us up, Working Perspectives Podcast, and you can. Go through the PAAA and get approved, unlike some asshole named Tom Lavelle who fucking pirates himself on the show and then steals the rights to the show and then challenges me to fucking Mario Kart on Twitch. All right? Don't be like that asshole. Email us at workingperspectives at gmail.com and we'll get you on the fucking show through the PAAA. Uh, but this has just been another episode of Working Perspectives Podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening and we're done. Stick around for the ad read. All right. See ya.
Do you have a message or a story inside of you that you've been waiting to tell? Have you always dreamed of writing a book but are intimidated by the complexities of the book publishing world? Perhaps you want to use a book to launch your public speaking or consulting career. If so, please reach out to Scott and Bell Publishing, located right here in beautiful Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Scott and Bell Publishing handle all genres and authors with all experience levels. Scott and Bell Publishing gives authors 100% creative freedom and a higher royalty split. They can be found at www.skotbell.com. That's www.s is in Sam, K is in Kite, O is in October, P is in Tom, B is in Boy, E is in Edward, L is in Larry, L is in Larry.com. That's Scott and Bell Publishing, where the authors go.